get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Randy Carriker, Michelle Smallman, back from her birthday celebration. Good to have you back. We missed you. Thanks, Randy. Good morning. It's, it's good to be back. I'm a little older and wisely a little older. I think you are. You, <laughs> we always get a little wiser. That one day a year, we get a little bit wiser. Yeah, I don't think so. If anything, <laughs> you know, it's just, especially this yeah. year, it was just another day. Yeah. It, come on. It had to be better than just another day. I mean. You, were, you, did, you got to sleep in, right? Okay, you say that, but what's your sleeping in now consist of? Because mine is, if I get to 6.45, it feels like yeah. I have slept until 11 a.m. That's about where I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yesterday I was up before 7, but it was around like the 6.30, 6.45 range, which I guess is technically sleeping in for us. Michelle has a lot of friends in Chicago. You've gone up for Cardinal games over the years. How many times do you figure that you've driven up to Chicago from St. Louis? Oh, my gosh. Hundreds? I was just going to say definitely hundreds. Yeah. Between, between just visiting and wedding mm-hmm. festivities, birthdays, uh, baby showers. Yeah, I've been... I'm, there's some miles on those tires, right? <laughs> Today, 41 vehicles rented by the St. Louis Cardinals will depart St. Louis for Chicago, Illinois, all carrying separate members of the Cardinal organization. One of the most bizarre things you will ever see in professional sports. It's not going to be a caravan, Michelle, because the departures are going to be staggered. But that's how the Cardinals are going to get to Chicago so that they can play the White Sox tomorrow night. I know they're going to stagger it, but in my mind, Randy, when I first heard that this is how the Cardinals were going to transport themselves to Chicago, I pictured it kind of like a fast and a furious a, thing of them, a caravan. Yeah, yeah, of them all rolling out at the same time and just taking over the highway. I pictured them all in red vehicles just driving up to Chicago to make themselves known. But you know, this is 2020. This is a team that that is still, even though they're getting ready to play, dealing with the ramifications of a COVID outbreak. And you got to do what yep. you got to do. Respect to them for figuring out a way to get it done. Big time. Okay. Question about the Cardinals. And I, I want to give you a little background here. Okay. The late, great Bill Wilkerson was the voice of Mizzou football and the football Cardinals for many years. When he would cover... Mizzou games and go on the road and get a rental car, he would always get one of the most expensive rental cars he could. Like he would go into Denver and rent a Lamborghini to drive to Boulder to do the Colorado games. Or if Mizzou was playing on the West Coast in LA, he'd get a, like he'd rent a Rolls Royce. So nice. which Cardinal is going to get the the most luxurious high-end vehicle? Which Cardinal would you think will make this drive in the best ride? 
you know it's going to be Yadi or Molina. Yes, you do. <laughs> because Yadi not only has the style, to, he mm-hmm. wants to pick out a car that's going to look good. He is the face of this franchise and a senior member of this organization. When they get the bill, no one's going to call him up and say, really? Right. You couldn't have gone with the with the lower end model. Whereas if some of these guys are going to say, hey, um, no, no, I don't want the Ford. Can you upgrade me to the Mercedes? The Cardinals may say, hey, what are you doing? Come on. Right, right. Look, we've got 41 of these. We, we've got a budget, all right? Yeah. Can, can you go with something a little more moderate? But with the Audi, they would just say, all right, we'll let you go. Yeah, some of the players are going to be driving the, the Ford Focus or whatever or the Hyundai Elantra or, or the the thing that when we're renting a car is cheapest when we go to Enterprise.com, right? right? There's a good deal there. Yeah, but I, I'm with you 100%. Yachty is the guy that gets the really exotic sports car and drives up there in four hours. So um, Plaza, Jaguar Land, wherever mm-hmm. Randy across the street, I was looking at cars there once and I'm not really a car person. I'm just like, does it run? Does it get me from point A to B? If there's some heated seats in there or something to keep me warm when winter is stupid, <laughs> bonus, right? I sat in a, a Jaguar SUV over there once and they have these kind of race car bucket seats, like these leather seats, and you just sit in it and it's almost like a leather hug around you. Oh, nice. And I hope that Yachty gets something like that because he's been through a lot lately. He and deserves I, it. He deserves it. And I want him to sit in a car that when he gets up there, his back is not going to be bothering him, his knee. I hope he's he's pulling off and stretching as he's getting up there. But I hope he gets a car that is a, a leather hug for him as he makes this trek up there. They're going to make the trek today, play tomorrow night here. Here's John Mozeliak on the weekend schedule. We do think there's a chance we could play this weekend. Uh, we're scheduled to play two on Saturday against the White Sox, and we probably could have tried to get tomorrow night's game in, but from our medical staff's perspective, they thought getting one extra day of not gathering made the most sense. And so we had requested that we could push Friday's game to Saturday. They agreed, and... Um, you know, obviously, we're still going to – we test it today. We're still hopeful we come back negative. We anticipate that to be the case. And then, of course, we'll test uh, tomorrow. And really, we'll be on a sort of a daily testing regiment, um, at least for the first road trip, for sure. And, of course, tomorrow is today. But think about your emotions hanging in the balance there if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. You're thinking that you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and that hopefully this entire ordeal is behind you. You're figuring out a a way logistically to get the team in a safe manner up to Chicago, but you're still waiting on test results to find out if all of this is going to be for naught, you know? And I just, I appreciate them moving forward. I appreciate the conservative manner in which they've handled the second, the second round of new positive tests. But I do feel for them that they're still awaiting test results. And they they did find out that a member of the coaching staff was right positive. It just seems like it's been hit after hit after hit for this organization. Now, 99% of what has happened to the Cardinals over the last two weeks has been bad. The tests have been positive, and that's a negative. But there is one little glimmer, Michelle, one little glimmer that we're all going to love. We will be adding three additional players to our Springfield site with uh, Pedro Pages, Ryan Dabowski, and Kramer Roberts, Robertson. And they've all been cleared, and so they're participated. They will begin participation. We also have some some moves at the major league level, and um, all these gentlemen I'm about the list will be making their uh, really their major league debut when they play. So Dylan Carlson, Seth Elledge, John Nagowski. We will recall uh, Mr. Sanchez, and we will have Rob Kaminsky. 
also added. Um, we will probably designate Sanchez as our 29th man for the doubleheader. And subsequently then we'll have corresponding moves throughout the, the week because we play doubleheader on Saturday, doubleheader on Monday, doubleheader on Wednesday. So finally, after all these years, Rob Kaminsky is finally going to make his Cardinal debut. <laughs> and you know what, Randy? Congrats to him. I know that this is something we've all been waiting for, and we are excited to see him up at the major league level. <laughs> hey, did you hear Dylan Carlson's name in there? You know what? I did. I did hear it in there. I did. And then I kind of blocked out everything else that was said after that because I was so excited. You know what, Randy? It only took a, a global pandemic and a, a multiple positive tests and outbreak really in the Cardinals organization but we have arrived we're going to see Dylan Carlson with this club and Mo did say that he's going to play every day he's not going to play every inning of every double header but he's a guy that if you have him on your major league roster you have to play him and with Lane Thomas out because of COVID-19 with Austin Dean out because of COVID-19 does that bats that the Cardinals wanted to get for other outfielders well they, they don't need those for those other outfielders anymore and you still have the situation with the young, uh, who is uh, out because of COVID nineteen, which moves Carpenter, your other DH, into the regular lineup at third. So you'll have the DH at bats for him as well. What are your expectations for him? Do you have any expectations for him? I have no expect. I, I, as a matter of fact, Michelle, I have a blog up at one hundred one ESPN dot com. I have no expectations. I don't. I don't care if they win or lose. I just want to see him play, and he is right there with him. I just want to see what his skill set is in terms of numbers. I don't think that we can put any numbers on any Cardinal right now because it's been so long since they've faced real pitching. Yeah, we we really have to keep that in mind, everything that they've endured over the past few weeks and lower the expectations. And you're right. I just want to see them play baseball. I just want to be able to build my day around knowing that there's going to be a a Cardinal baseball game at night. And the fact that we'll get to see Dylan Carlson as a part of that is, to me, a, a bonus. And if it takes time for him to find a rhythm, fine. If if during that period there's sparks that get us really excited, take it for mm-hmm. what it's worth. And Mo says, hey, for all of us, be expecting a rusty team. You know, you, you put a lot of trust and faith in, in what players have been trying to do when they've been at home. And, uh, you know, overall, I feel like the, the, the vibe of, of the group has been very good. And so, you know, candidly, I, I, I suspect that it might look a bit rusty, but we're happy to be back playing baseball. So, you know, that's what we hope for. That's his bottom line. That's my bottom line. Uh, I think it's really unfair to have high expectations of this group. I agree, but I wonder what the team thinks. You know, how they're, how the players are viewing themselves and in, in their return because they're probably still confident in their abilities. They, they are smart guys. They understand the environment around them and everything that they've endured, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a team that's really invigorated and just really excited to get out there and that hasn't counted themselves out. I hope the pitchers don't try to overdo it. And here's my question about the hitters. There are hitters out there that we say, hey, he could roll out of bed on Christmas morning and hit. I don't think the Cardinals have a single one of those where he's just a natural, where you say, okay, that guy is just such a natural hitter. He's going to be able to do it. Maybe Goldschmidt is that guy, but there's just, it seems like there's a lot of mechanics there to his swing. Maybe, and I haven't seen enough of Carlson, Maybe he's that guy, but I just don't think the Cardinals have a guy that can go in without really working on his swing and all of a sudden start hitting. 
I would put Goldie in that category, hopefully, Carlson. But we'll find out. We're about to find out, right? Right. And because of everything that's happened, Mo was asked if the Cardinals and Michelle referenced to the players and their competitiveness. He, He was asked if perhaps they should lower expectations for 2020. I don't think so. Um, we're two and three. You know, obviously, it's a, when you look at our schedule or potentially what it looks like, it's daunting. It's, it's Everybody would agree it's not going to be easy, but you know, if, if this team clicks, it's going to be very good. And, and so that's what we believe. So in terms of deciding today, just because it's daunting, we're going to wave the white flag, I think that wouldn't be the right answer. So um, we're going to approach this as if, as if, you know, candidly, we're getting a second chance. And now that we have a second chance at this season, we should make the most of it. And I agree with that. But I also believe that expectations, you don't give the white flag, you never do. But you also have to be realistic about where you are relative to where everybody else is. They're two and three, Randy. Yeah. And the Cubs are what? 12 and 3, 13 and 3. What a ways to go. It's a reboot. It's a restart. I say, you know, get out there, play a couple games, and maybe if we get a week of baseball games, we can start to assess and evaluate the team. But let's just for that week savor it. By the way, if you haven't been paying attention to the National League Central standings for the last couple of weeks, the Cubs are 13 and 3 now. The Cardinals in second place. All right. At, at 2 and 3. The, <laughs> the Reds are 8 and 11. The Brewers are 7 and 10. And the Pirates have two more wins than the Cardinals do, even though the Cardinals haven't played in a couple of weeks. See, that's a positive, Randy. Yeah, let's look at it that way. We're going to be better than Pittsburgh. Let me just not say positive. That's an encouraging thing that you just said. We need to just remove that from our vocabulary. Coming up, it happened after we got off the air yesterday. We have a new name for our new team in St. Louis. We'll tell you what we think. We want to hear from you as well on the Mic Drop feature, the Rhino Shield Mic Drop with the 101 ESPN app, and also our Air Comfort Service text line. What do you think of the new name and crest for our MLS team? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to Carolyn Kindle Betts, the CEO of MLS for Lou, actually for stlcity.com. She'll join us at 8 o'clock yesterday, the unveiling of the new name and colors and crest for our MLS team in St. Louis. And it is stlcitysc.com. The crest, according to the website, features our iconic arch standing as a gateway open to all. Two lines representing our region's great rivers combined to form a proud, united symbol of our city and our spirit. And you've got Red, white, and navy blue. Michelle, what do you think? Randy, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a classic name. I think the colors and the crest are perfect. I love the fact that the arch is represented and the confluence of the river. I love the way that when they explained how they arrived at this point, they talked about unifying everyone and they talked about the spirit of the city. You know that they took their time and great care in coming to this name and coming to this design and this logo. And I think that they knocked it out of the park. And and just by the way, the entire rollout I thought was really, really well, well done, done. Especially now that we know what the name is. When you look back on those those little Easter egg videos that they had dropped, those teaser videos, they did a really good job keeping everyone engaged and excited. We're going to talk to Carolyn about this, but they have given themselves one hurdle because we are... 
in a bizarre way, and I love our region, I love our city, but we do have a city-county divide. And there are people out there that don't want to educate themselves about what M- the MLS franchise is trying to do here that say, oh, it's all about the city of St. Louis. Why are you cry- trying to denigrate the county or the east side or St. Charles County? That's not what it's about. And uh, I- I'm with you. I do look at the name St. Louis City as a unifi- unifying name, but I can also understand that there are people out there that in the county, they don't think that the city should exist. And so that's going to be an educational process that the franchise is going to have to go through. I didn't think about that when I first heard it. I did see a lot of people voicing their opinions on that, and they have the right to think that. But I would like to think that maybe we can look at it as a greater city, just the word as a greater term. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were out living out of the country, or if you went out of the country and somebody said, hey, what city are you from? You would say St. Louis. Yes. You wouldn't say, mm, I'm actually from the county. You would just say, I'm from the city of St. Louis. And maybe we can just use that term as more of a broad way to describe all of the little pockets throughout St. Louis. The city, the county, the metro east, north, south, east, west, that describes all of us. We've got 53 different cities, and that's what it's an homage to, is the different cities within the city of St. Louis. And as they describe again on the website, our name, we are east of the river and west of 270. We are Old North and South County. We are St. Charles and St. Anne, Belleville and Oakville. We are the heart of a vibrant midtown and the soul of dozens of historic downtowns. Our club represents every street, neighborhood, neighborhood, and community in the region, standing up for one another. We are the collective spirit of generations, old and young, doers and makers, always looking forward together. We are America's first soccer capital, and we tenaciously embrace our future. This is our club. This is our home. This is our city. That explains it pretty well. And that sounds pretty unifying to me. And I hope that other people who may have felt that this was a divisive thing or a political statement. Actually listen to what you just said and hopefully listen to Carolyn when she comes on with us later in the show to see that they are, their intent is to unify everyone. We get a mic drop. This is from Kevin on 101 ESPN. I know any apprehensions that I currently have will subside. I mean, I wasn't exactly thrilled when the Battlehawks were first unveiled and I grew to love everything about them. So my concern is the linkage or possible lack thereof with our existing soccer club. Look, I'm ecstatic that the MLS is here. It's transformative for the city and all I care about is play anyway. But if it adversely affects STLFC, I'll be really disheartened. And furthermore, I look damn good in that blue and green. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe that was Josh. Yes. We know him. He's a regular. We know his voice. One of our favorite listeners. (laughs) For sure. STLFC is probably going to move. Jim Cavanaugh, one of the owners of, uh, I'm going to have to keep working on the name, but I will get it. STL City SC, uh, one of the owners of STL, uh, is the owner of uh, STLFC. So I would think that you'll probably see that club move, but it will remain an affiliate of STL City SC. And my guess would be that they would wind up in maybe Springfield, Illinois or Peoria or something like that. STLFC is a great soccer organization, too. I mean, it's one of my favorite sporting events in in St. Louis to go to an STLFC game. And you know that they're going to be obviously tied in some way. And and by the way, Randy, uh, I think we can just say city now, right? We can just say... We yeah. don't have to say. We, yeah, I want to we, go see City play. Exactly. So when we when we acknowledge them, you don't have to say the full name. We could just say City. Okay. Isn't that what they said? That's that, the first full day, though. Okay, STL City SC. But it is kind of a a long thing to say. Yeah, 
It is. So, yeah, we can just go with city. Yeah, city. Or STL. <laughs> Yeah. No, let's, let, yeah, no, we'll there's, ask Carolyn. We'll ask Carolyn. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be, you're going to be sitting around, and Ron was talking about this yesterday in the fast lane. You'd be sitting after a game at Ballpark Village after a Cardinal game, and you say, hey, the city play tonight. Let's go down the street and watch them. Exactly. So we can just call them city. Yeah. Now here, here's Kevin on 101 ESPN. I think that including city and the name, like Carolyn Kindabetz was saying yesterday, is a great move to try to repurpose the term that for a long time around here has been uh, associated with division and uh, divided governments and now we're trying to build a better St. Louis we're trying to become one and this is just a great all-around move I love it couldn't have said it better Yes, great mic drop. And we are trying to build a better St. Louis. And this is going to be a huge piece of that puzzle. Because one of the things that I absolutely loved yesterday during the video presentation and the things that I read afterwards is how they talked about how they want to be a major presence in St. Louis as a whole. They want to be a piece of the community. They want to ingrain themselves in what is happening around town. And that's what the Battle Hawks did. That's what the Blues and the Cardinals have done. But I have no doubt with Carolyn Kendall, Betts, the Taylor family, the Kavanaugh's involved in this, that they are going to be a major, major force within our city. And so I love the fact that that's tied into the name and that the fact that they're saying, hey, we want to unify everybody. And they're they're consciously saying that. And if you just look at the actions, not the words, just the actions of enterprise and of worldwide technology, the two primary owners, They're all about the St. Louis community and doing good things for St. Louis. I defy anybody to find a negative thing that enterprise or worldwide technology have done in regards to St. Louis. Everything they do is positive, and this will just be another vessel for them to provide positive things for the region. Not just the city, not just the county, not just the east side, not just St. Charles County, but the entire region. And that's what I hope moving forward that maybe this name does is just have us all say, hey, St. Louis, we are all St. Louis. Whether you live in the county or on the east side or in the city, wherever you live, you, I I think that we should try to, in our mind, reframe it. Like our perspective should not be that we're divided. It should be, hey, we are all St. Louis. All of us are important and our different pockets are our little spaces in St. Louis. But all of us together make St. Louis what it is. And we need to keep pulling the rope the same way. A couple of texts. This one, let's discuss the horrible crest. I've seen better crests on Twitter. Whoa. That was from the 314. I have not heard anyone complain about the crest. I thought the crest was Perfect. I, I think it's beautiful. I like the little 3D look of the crest. Yeah. I think there's a lot of positives. It, it pays homage to St. Louis, again, with the rivers, with the arch. It's about the area. And I know that there were people out there that wanted the team to be called the Steamers, mm-hmm. like the MISL team in the 80s, or uh, wanted it to be called something just so that it was a, a name rather than to the small city. But one of the things they clearly wanted to do was be historic, traditional, and with the name, pay homage to where they play. I love that there's the arch in it. I love that it has the the lines, as we said, uh, you know, 
representing the confluence of the river. I just thought the whole design was very clean. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the merch, you and I were looking at the merchandise that they have available at the MLS store online, it looks so sharp. It looks classic. It looks classy. I love the color scheme. It it looks like something that we would feel proud to wear here in St. Louis. A couple of other texts. From the 314, and I like this. One of the best and most famous soccer teams in the world is Man City. Their fans are called citizens. If we are all one, St. Louis, we can all, we can all be citizens. Citizens. I yeah. love that. It's pretty cool. I also think, you know, this isn't the XFL. Soccer has very traditional names. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you were expecting something like you know, the Vipers, it wasn't going to happen, <laughs> you know, especially in a in a place like St. Louis that has such a rich soccer history. They were going to lean traditional. And I want you to refer to this one because I really can't realistically and fairly from the 314. I'm fine with the name. It's the shade of red I'm not a fan of. Looks oh. like a lipstick color. Oh. That's from the 314. See, um... Actually, I hope they make a lipstick in that shade because I will buy it. It does look great. (laughs) But I appreciated the red because it's different than cardinal red. You wanted it to be a red that was a little bit unique. And I like that the blue is more of a navy and different than the St. Louis blue. I'm with you. It was different than the Battlehawk blue because hopefully they're coming back, Randy. So we need to make sure that that's different. (laughs) But I I thought the red is a beautiful red. It's a rich color. It's vibrant, but it's not as bright as cardinal red. Mm -hmm. So if you're wearing a red shirt out that's a city shirt, you'll be able to tell from far away that it's a city shirt and not a cardinal shirt. There is a differentiation. One more mic drop from the Rhino Shield mic drop on 101 ESPN's app. This is Kevin. wasn't a huge fan of the name at first, but after watching the uh, video explaining how they came to the name several times, <laughs> um, I like it. Um, I think it's great. It's great for the city. It's great for the county. And uh, I hope we have a winning season right out the gate. It's going to be awesome. I already got my kit ordered, and I can't wait for it to kick off. I ordered a scarf yesterday. I don't know about you, but I was so excited. I'm going to do that this weekend. I couldn't wait to get some merch. I'm going to get that blue shirt. That blue, the long sleeve? Yes. That is a sharp looking shirt. I wanted a scarf, though. You got to have a scarf. You got to have a scarf. It's so different than anything else. And the scarf looks sharp. And one of the things about the scarf, too, that you and I had discussed is there's a little bit of yellow in the scarf on the fringe. So I don't wonder if maybe, you know, Merch drop 2.0. They don't work in a little bit of yellow into the mix, which is very cool because it's also representative of, this, of the St. Louis flag. That's why I would have liked to have seen some yellow just out of respect for that. But I get what they're That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And it is STL City SC Soccer Club rather than Football Club. Which I like. I, I like too. that it's SC and not FC. Even though because of STLFC, it's just become so ingrained in my mind when I say St. Louis City SC, my brain like initially defaults to FC, so I'm going to have to you know really hammer that home. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we have the Blues at 4.30, Game 2 against Vancouver. The faceoff at 5.30. What do the Blues need to have to win? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
As the Blues play Vancouver in Game 2 this afternoon here on 101 ESPN. 5.30 with the faceoff, 4.30 with Alex Ferrario's pregame here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. There are a lot of things to worry about. And Michelle, one of the things that as we watched the entire playoff unfold last season that the Blues really took advantage of was their depth. They rolled four lines. And that line of Sundquist, Steen, and Barbashev was huge for the Blues last year in the run to the Cup. Barbashev is going to make his way back to Edmonton today. He, he needs to quarantine in Edmonton for four days before he can get back into action. Hopefully we see him in this year's playoffs. Yeah. Steen is out day-to-day, didn't play in Game 1. Sundquist is on a different line. So... That dynamic fourth line that the Blues had last year, and really the dynamic third line, they aren't there so far this year. And I think you certainly noticed that in game one. You you realized that those guys were going to be out, and I think heading into it, you said, oh, okay, this is going to be a problem because we know individually what these guys bring to the table for the Blues. But I think you're absolutely right. Seeing that that fourth line was not there, you really started to notice that it was going to be a different look for this team without having those guys out on the ice. It has been my sense in watching Tampa, and it has been my sense in watching the Blues at this time of year that the Blues do miss Patrick Maroon. Did you see that the other night? Did you get the sense that, okay, there's an edge here, especially with Roussel on the other side, that there's an edge that was existent for the Blues in the playoffs last year that just hasn't shown itself so far. Yeah, we need somebody to skate over and say you guys are blanked. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you. I had mentioned, I don't know if it was at the beginning of this week, that I think the Blues might be missing some of Jay Bomeister's veteran presence, that calming presence. I mean, he was amazing in the postseason for them last year, but he brought so much more to that team. He was such a quiet, understated guy that I don't think we talked all the time about what he brought to them from an identity standpoint on and off the ice. And I think Pat Maroon is is in that equation as well. He was obviously the hometown hero baby, and he's skating over and saying things to the Bruins, so we talked about him more and about the impact that he had, you in front of the net, the the big rig presence and Mm -hmm. just the attitude and the chip on the shoulder. But I think you're missing missing not only that fourth line, but you are missing a Pat Maroon. You are missing a Jay Bowmeister. And you nailed it. Penalty killing is such a non-glamorous part of the game. We take it for granted when we kill off a penalty. Oh, okay, we we killed off another one. Jay Bowmeister was the best penalty killer they had. Of the five guys on the ice at any given time, aside from the goalie, uh, of the five skaters on the ice, he was the best penalty killer they had last year in the playoffs. And it's, it feels like it happened years ago that Jay Bomeister had mm-hmm. had that episode, and you know the fact that he's not on the ice. It just it almost in your mind because so much has happened since then. You feel like this team should have been in a space where they're past that. But you have to remember that even though he wasn't on the ice, he was still around the team and he was still providing some sort of calming presence. And I I think that you heard a lot of the guys talking about how they loved having him around. It was just good mentally for them to have him there. And obviously he's not in the bubble. So yeah, I I just think that this team was missing a lot. But with all that being said, even though they lost and even though the third period was a disaster yet again, I did see a lot from this team that makes me confident in them heading into game two. 24 teams in the bubble, Michelle. The Blues are 21st in killing penalties. Oh, yikes. Only the Islanders, Arizona, and Winnipeg have worse penalty kill percentages. So the Blues down a game, down some players. What's Craig Berube's message to his team? 
Well, we, we always look at stuff and try to improve on things that we can do better. So we went over that. And um, the other thing is just, you know, moving on from last game. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, you got to you got to move on from things. You can't just dwell on a loss or you, you can't, um, you know, think about a win too much. You got to move on. It's a new game tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we got to try to just play a little bit better. I mean, I think that going into the third period, we I thought we carried to play. But in the third period, we made a couple mistakes, as we've been doing in some of these games, and uh, it's cost us, so we've got to clean that up. And it's looked throughout the course of these playoffs like the Blues lose energy. Maybe they aren't conditioned for a third period. You know, unfortunately, uh, the goal happens, and, uh, you know, I felt like we just lost our life after that a little bit and our energy. So we've got to make sure that that doesn't happen. I mean, you know, things happen in the playoffs you know, goals here and uh, things happen, and you got to make sure your energy stays up and your uh, spirit stays up. My energy and spirit waned. <laughs> Why? Because of the late the start? <laughs> well, that too. That was part of it. So that was the physical part. But emotionally, for them, I'm sure it did take some of the wind out of their sails. But I wonder how much of this is physical, that the Blues didn't get after it in terms of training camp and the round robin like other teams did. It... <laughs> It's hard to say, but they do seem, just in the third period, to be gassed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's everything leading up until they went to Edmonton, if the round-robin play is somehow a part of that, if it's one or the other. But I know that the identity of this team going on a calendar year now has been how resilient they are, Mm -hmm. how when they are faced with adversity, they bounce back. And it was encouraging for me to see after the round-robin play, them come out and show us signs of blues hockey, for us to see them look sharp, look a little bit more like themselves. And I'm hoping that they are angry about what happened in the third period in Game 1, and they're angry about what happened in the round robin and that they can carry that into game two. An old adage in hockey is that if you're committing stick fouls, you're behind the play. You're chasing the play because you aren't as fast and you need to catch up. So maybe the Blues do need to regain that step that they had last year because one of the reasons that you lose energy in the third period is because you spent a quarter of the game killing penalties. And when you have four guys trying to play against five, that takes a lot of energy out of your team. Yeah, just be disciplined. Right. Stay out of the penalty box, and especially if you have a bad penalty kill, stay out of the penalty box, and you'll have a chance. What do you think tonight? I think they're going to come away with a win tonight. Don't you? I do. Jordan Bennington lost two in a row twice last year in the playoffs. He lost two in a row, obviously, in the first round after they had won the first two against Winnipeg. And then he lost two in a row, I think it was four and five against Dallas, and then came back and won the last two if Jordan Bennington loses two in a row here, though, I'll be really con- well. If they're down two nothing, I'll be really, really concerned. If they're down two nothing, we got to get on the panic yeah. bus. Yeah, and that means they'll be zero and six in Edmonton. That's exactly why I was thinking that. I'm like, okay, in any other circumstance, if it was a mixed bag in the round robin, and then they get down two nothing, I would, I would take it with a grain of salt and lean on what I know this team to be on their champ. This is an entire locker room of Stanley Cup champions. Okay, mm-hmm. they know how to dig deep. I'm not concerned about that. But if it's a continuation of what we've seen 
in an exhibition game and in round robin play. And then you're coming if the same trends persist in game two, where you're not playing disciplined hockey, you seem gassed in the third period. I mean, they've been out. They've been outscored 11 to nothing in the third period. If they if they come out and that continues in game two and they lose. Yeah, I'm real nervous, Randy. I am really nervous. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got a little game of Tioli on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We have Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. Scott Manziara is here. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us on this Friday morning, getting ready for the weekend in St. Louis and getting ready for a weekend that has both Cardinals baseball and Blues hockey. Hopefully we'll have more weekends that have both than just this weekend. I sure hope so, because (laughs) this has been an interesting road to arrive at a weekend when we finally have both in action. Yeah, we the Blues have to be able to play next weekend, don't they? I hope so. And I hope we get the Cardinals this weekend. I hope I hope nothing else goes awry. Yeah. Oh, 41 vehicles, 41 guys driving to Chicago. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? Some flat tires, some speeding tickets. I hope they'll... I wonder what Cardinal knows how to change a tire. Wayno. Oh, definitely Matt Carpenter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Te- Texas guy absolutely knows yeah. how to... I mean, he... he uh, Adam Wainwright gifted him the garden. He's a gardener. He's not afraid to get dirty, is right. what I'm saying. Right, good point. Michelle, Joe Montana was on a radio show in Houston this week, the Jake Asman show. And Joe Montana was talking about Tom Brady. And he said, I spoke to Tom while we were back at the Super Bowl. He said, I don't think he was happy with the way things were progressing in New England and his ability to have input. And I think that was a big decision for him to make to leave there. Montana went on to tell USA Today, I think not having power was one of his big beefs there. He told me that they'd ask my advice, I'd tell them, and then they didn't take it. He said, I think they would would take a little bit of the input, and then they'll probably let him have that in Tampa Bay, especially with the success that he's had. Take it or leave it. The primary thing that Tom Brady wanted when he left New England wasn't money, it wasn't fame, it wasn't climate, it was power. Take it. 100% take it. He had the money. He had the fame. Mm -hmm. He had in the offseason all the time in the world to get whatever climate that he wanted. It definitely was power. I think it's power. I think it's respect. I think it's equity. I think it's... I think fun plays a major factor because he's at the end of his career. He knows that this is the last Mm -hmm. stop in the road. And if you've been in a very restrictive and um, tight environment for that long... You want to have some fun. You want this to be something that you can enjoy and savor mm-hmm. this this final chapter. But I certainly think it's power if if you're Tom Brady and you know how much this, the success of that organization is because of you. And at the end of the day, you're still being treated the same as the, the new rookie on the block and maybe being made example of more than that. And you're not being listened to when you talk about, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think we should do. After a while, that starts that seed is planted and it starts to grow and grow and grow. I look at it from this perspective. 
He is really good friends with Peyton Manning, and we know that Manning essentially ran the show for the offenses that he had in Denver and really to a large extent in Indianapolis, too. He talks to Aaron Rodgers, who says, yeah, we got a new coach, but we're still running my offense. Talks to Ben Roethlisberger, another contemporary who's won Super Bowls. Yeah, we get a new offensive coordinator, but I, I do pretty much what I want to do. And then he's got to do what Belichick and McDaniels want to do every week. I would think that that would get tiresome and you'd want to do you'd want to have a coaching staff that you think respects you enough to do what you want to do one after a while you'd say are you guys is this an ego thing with you or do you not trust my judgment it's because it has to be one or the other i'm interested to see what they do in tampa and apparently what they're doing is allowing him basically to install his offense that's why he had all those off-season workouts with his teammates i can't wait to see it it's going to be fun to watch okay randy as you mentioned, the Cardinals are caravanning. Well, they're staggering it, but we'll just use the term caravan in general. Up to Chicago. They're driving from St. Louis. Rented 41 vehicles. They're ready to go. Take it or leave it. If you could be the co-pilot in any of the cars with any of the players heading up to Chicago, you would want to ride with Tyler O'Neill. Oh, man. I think I'm going to leave it, and it would be fun. I think he's going to drive fast. I think it'll be a fun ride, but I think it's got to be Wayno. Okay, Wayno is a great choice. But hear me out on Tyler O'Neill because okay. I was thinking about I was thinking about the components of a great road trip. First and foremost, you need snacks. Yep, snacks are crucial. You're going to stop at a gas station. You're going to load up. Tyler O'Neill, you know, is a guy that's going to eat, okay? He is going to come out with two plastic bags filled with snacks. There's going to be some beef jerky in the mix. I'm sure we're going to have some sort of peanuts. I love ranch corn nuts. I'm sure he'd be okay with that. And he's from Canada. He's a super nice, fun guy. I'm sure you throw in some tunes or you're going to have some mm-hmm. laughs. He would just be an easy guy, I think, to have a road trip with. He would. I wonder if, though, with his physique, if the snacks might be a little bit too healthy for my liking. But see, okay, I think he might be the one that will deviate a little bit because he's got to get some protein in. I'm sure he wants to balance it out. It's qu- it's quantity for him, I'm, I'm assuming, as far as the snacks. Like, you know, Yachty's on this health kick. He's going to have right. probably kale chips or something super healthy. Wayno's a good call because he's going to have the country tunes jamming. You know he loves to sing along. And he probably yep. has some sort of, I would imagine, sneaky good barbecue or something in there. Dexter Fowler, I think, might be a good person to ride with, yeah, too. Yeah, it'd be fun. You see him on Instagram. He loves karaoke. He seems like such a fun, affable guy in the clubhouse. I bet he has some, I saw him the other day. Uh, watching a movie on Instagram. He had some great popcorn working. He's got a popcorn machine, I think, at his house. So, yeah, he might be a good pick, too. But some of these guys are so focused on their health and probably are going to be focused on the task at hand. They just want to get up there, get ready to play, that it might not be an enjoyable road trip. Some guys, yeah, it's going to be really quiet. They like prob- Paul Young, Think about it. Yeah, it's going to be a really clinical, scientific ride. If he even, very nice if he, guy. I, I don't think that Paul will be going, but you're right. A five-hour road trip with with Paulie D. He might be going though. You don't know the way that this this whole time has has uh, you know yeah. spaced itself out. You never know. He yeah. might be riding up there at some point. Tyler O'Neill would be fun, but I'm going to go with Wayno. I'm with you on the singing the singalongs, and I know that he's going to be so generous when we want to stop and get snacks. Well, he'll let me have what I want. The only thing about Adam Wainwright, though, 
is he's a leader. I mean, Darren well, O'Neill is, this is not disparaging him, but you're more on an equal level with him. If you say, hey, let's pull over. Hey, why don't we get some candy in the mix here? He's going to say, okay, sure. I'm Canadian. I'm super nice. Wayno's going to say, hey, I told you before we left, no stopping. He, you know, he is the guy that's running the ship there. Yeah. He's a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill will say, you want to get out? Yeah. And he'll be like, <laughs> sorry, I'll pull over at the next one. But here, one other thing about a check box for Wayno, you can talk sports the whole time. Whether it's fantasy football, talking about the upcoming NFL season, talking about knowing what's going on in baseball, talking about blues hockey, you can talk sports with him for the entire five hours. And that's even more reason why I want to ride with Tyler O'Neill. No. Because if you're if you're going up with the Cardinals, obviously you have a lot of baseball on deck. I would think you would want to get up there with a, a clear head, a light mood. The more you're thinking about, wow, we have a lot of games we got to make up. We got to talk about sports this entire time. You you don't want that. You want to get up there, you know, having a great road trip, smiling, laughing, excited to be with your team again. You don't want to be thinking about the daunting well, task at hand of fitting all these games I'm, in. I'm just saying what we could do. There's no doubt that we're going to be singing along to George Strait tunes during the course of my ride with Wayno. I think my dark horse would be Jack Flaherty because it's kind of a game that you'd play with yourself to try to crack him open a little bit. Like, see what you can get out of him. He also is such an opinionated sports fan. Mm-hmm. You could have some great sports debates. With Jack, and you can have a very intelligent, well reasoned, thought out conversation with him. I think about anything. He's a he's a well read guy. I just imagine though getting in the car and the doors lock, and then you're like, yeah, I don't know if the Lakers have it this season. <laughs> that could be that could well, be a, a rough five hours. You just debate him. It'll be fun. <laughs> Scotty, what do you got? Uh, sticking with baseball here from the 636. Take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson's first hit will be Saturday and will also be an extra base hit. Yeah, I'll take it. Say that one more time. So take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson's first hit will be Saturday. Okay. And it will also be an extra base hit. Okay, I'll take it. Why not? Why not? Yeah, he'll be in there. Yeah, he'll be in there. I'm assuming tomorrow, right? Yeah. Were you at or were you watching the game with Oscar Tavares? When he hit a home run in his first at bat, was that in the rain? In the rain. Oh, yeah. I'll and never the, some of the it. photos are great, great against the Giants. That yeah. was so fun. Such a great, such a great day. I got it on the Oscar Tavares. Uh, yeah, his last Rest home game. His last home game at Bush Stadium. I was there. I was in the outfield behind him, and for some random reason, you know, when you you're trying to post on Instagram, like, "Hey, here's where my seats are." Mm-hmm. I took like a bunch of random pictures of Oscar Tavares, really? and I still have them. And then, That's of course, cool. uh, the tragedy. Yeah happened uh this one is an mls one from the 636 take it or leave it we'd prefer city to be in the eastern conference for a chicago rivalry instead of the western conference for a kansas city rivalry i think i'm gonna leave that i think i want that kc rivalry i did see a tweet yesterday from sporting kc that was like here's a thread of all the things we love about st louis and it was a really short thread (laughs) (laughs) so they're already poking the bear which i appreciated because we do we need a hated rival for this thing to to have the oomph that it needs we've got enough chicago rivalries yeah i think we can spark that kc rivalry even more an in-state rivalry yeah i love it yeah i think we should take them down I think we will take them down. Forget Casey. Forget Casey. They can't even figure out a name. You know, they started off like at Kansas City Wiz and then the Kansas City Wizards. Now they're sporting Casey. What will it be next year? The Wiz? Yeah, that was their first name. Terrible. I know. I'm, I'm, people are complaining about City. Can you imagine if they said, hey, we're the Wiz? Oh, that'd be brutal. The Wiz. That's yeah. awful. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> This one's from the 636. Not that it's a competition, but take it or leave it. St. Louis FC will have a better greeting to St. Louis by the fans than the Battlehawks. Wait, 
we mean City SC, not uh, FC. You're right, you're right. City SC. Yeah. SC. We'll have better what? They'll have a better greeting by fans of St. Louis than they did with the Battlehawks. Uh, it's going to be hard to do. Yeah, that's tough. Because basically the Battlehawks did sell out relative to what was allowed in the stadium. I'm going to say tied for first. Yeah, that's a difficult one for me just because I don't know what the world is going to look like mm-hmm. when everything gets uh, started again. Because with the Battlehawks, it was entire place packed, you know, the, the the streets lined with people to greet yeah. the guys on their walk into the stadium. I just don't know what's going to be, uh, what the world is going to look like, what's going to be normalized by the time they hit the pitch for the first time. But I will say in energy and spirit, it will be matched. Absolutely. People are... are and the thing about the Battlehawks, too, is we had to be sold on the XFL. There were people who were yeah. initially excited, but we're a football scoring market and the XFL has had its ups and downs and people didn't really know what to expect. Where there's no selling with the MLS. There's no selling with this ownership group and with this team. People were excited from the get-go. So I can only imagine how excited people are going to be at that very first game. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And speaking of uh, that very first game, we're going to talk to the CEO of St. Louis City SC. Carolyn Kendall Betts is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you on 101 ESPN. It was fun yesterday to carry live the announcement of the crest and the colors of our MLS team, St. Louis City SC. And the CEO of that franchise, Carolyn Kendall Betts, joins us now on 101 ESPN. It's always great to talk to you, Carolyn. Thanks for taking some time with us this morning. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me, and happy belated birthday, Michelle. Oh, thanks, Carolyn. Well, first and foremost, I I just want to start with how you're feeling. This is a day that was a long time in the making. I know how much work and effort that your entire uh, team and organization put into the name, the crest, the colors, the branding of all this. So just what's it like for you to finally have the secret out and have everyone know what the name of the MLS team in St. Louis is going to be? Oh, my gosh, it's such a relief. You know, we kind of joked around yesterday. We we woke up working for more of a movement, MLS for the Lou, and went to bed working for an actual. Be able to be able to you know tell people this is who I work for, um, and have people really rally around it and be excited about the team name. It was it was a huge success. Carolyn, how hard was it to keep the secret? Because I can only imagine anytime you went anywhere, people would say, "Hey, what's the name? Just tell me. I won't tell anybody. I promise." Well, I mean, I hate to blame it on the pandemic, but I didn't really go anywhere, so it it made it much easier. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I've told a lot of white lies over the last couple months, so now I don't have to lie anymore. So I feel feel much better about it. But, honestly, we knew it was going to be such a big surprise, and we knew people were really excited. And, you know, the fact that it stayed a secret really until tomorrow was huge. And so it made it much easier to uh, not want to spill anything. Last time Carolyn Kendall Betts was on with us, I asked you what your favorite colors were. You said pink or pink and blue. And being somewhat colorblind, Carolyn, uh, pink and blue is where you are. <laughs> that's uh, that's exactly where we are. So I see that wasn't a lie. That was the truth. <laughs> hey, when you started, when you made the initial announcement that you were pursuing an MLS franchise that day at Matthews Dickey's Boys and Girl Club, Girls Club, how did yesterday, and obviously you were doing it in the midst of a pandemic with all the cutouts, but how did the day that you revealed the name and the crest and the colors compare to what the dreams were? 
You know, I mean, obviously far exceeded any kind of dream I could have ever thought. I think one of the things, though, that I, I found most interesting is two years ago, I would have never understood that the name City has international recognition in the world of soccer and football. And so I kind of remembered, you know, learning that lesson. And I think about everything I've learned about the sport and how important it is to have an international name and why we picked City. And I was like, uh, two years ago, I would have never thought that. So it has been so much fun. Our team is amazing going through this process. And so I really enjoyed it more than I, I thought I would, honestly. And obviously, I'm sure that you knew when you came up with this name that here in St. Louis, of all areas, we do have the city-county divide. And city has a different connotation here than it does in most areas. So I would think that there's some education that has to take place as to why St. Louis City is the name. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, we are really excited as a team to go ahead and continue those conversations because we really need this entire region to expand exactly what you just said, how they define city. And when you look at what is so unique to St. Louis, and that is the diverse cultures and the iconic neighborhoods and the heritage we have, we need to take all that and move it forward. And we need to make this a region that comes together to our stadium to celebrate the great sport of soccer. And uh, I love that messaging, Carolyn. Also, within soccer, you have a lot of FCs. So how did you guys arrive at the decision to be St. Louis City SC as opposed to an FC? Well, I mean, soccer is what it's called in St. Louis and how it's known, you know, throughout the USA. And so when we really thought about it, you know, we are America's first soccer capital. And so we felt like we had to go with soccer club because that's how that's that's how we know the sport here and, and St. Louis. Carolyn Kendall Betts, the CEO of STL City SC, with us on 101 ESPN. I know that Michelle has already ordered a scarf. I'm going to order a shirt this weekend. How has the gear sold in the first 24 hours? Um, well, so I have Lee Broughton here with me. Um, I'm going to have him comment on that because I'm assuming, based on all the text messages, it sold really well. <laughs> so Lee will have the uh, Lee will probably have a better idea than I will. Okay. Good morning. Hi, Lee. Um, hi. We, we have had uh, a fantastic showing. Um, St. Louis, as usual, definitely um, presented itself. And uh, I think, in fact, rather um, gingerly, the, the site crashed in about the first 15 minutes because there was such a flurry of activity. But we were able to rally um, about two hours later. And uh, pleased to say that, the, the, you know, there's been an amazing amount of merchandise that has been sold. Uh, the website for uh, your listeners is stlcitysc.com. And uh, we really hope that you enjoy the merch there and, and, uh, and, and, and get, you know, sign up on the emails. Make sure that you stay in touch with us. That's I'm lucky I got a scarf when I did. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Um, Carolyn, I want to look back a little bit on this process because, you know, it, you don't just arrive at the crest and the colors and the logo and the city name. So how long of a process was this for your team? How long have you guys been working on this? Well, <clears throat> I think it was January where we really asked people, hey, tell us, give us your input. What would you like the club to be called? And so, I mean, we had 6,000 submissions, which was just awesome. But there were four kind of words, if you will, that kept coming to the top. And city was by far the most popular. And so then Lee and his team went to work um, trying to figure out how do you build a story behind it? How do you build a brand? And it was just the product they came back with was amazing. So I would say that from start to finish, it probably took around three months. Um, but, 
you know, pandemic hit so we could really refine it. So I think it's really sort of been in process since January. But, you know, we were so happy with the product we unveiled yesterday. A um, lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of creativity, but it was worth it all. And you say you want to tell a story. What's the biggest part of the story that you want to tell with the name and the crest and the colors? <clears throat> I think it's really just to be able to celebrate how great St. Louis is. I mean, if you look at what's going on right now, there is this resurgence and it's economic, it's cultural, the growth that we're experiencing. And I want to put St. Louis on the international map. And I know that I'm not alone when I say that. And so to have a sport that's international, have the diverse cultures that we have, you know, have the optimism and the success um, and, you know, certainly moving in the right direction. That's the story we want to tell that St. Louis city SC was a huge part in putting St. Louis back on the international map. And Carolyn, I say this all the time, and I think the people that listen to me probably get bored by it, but I do think that the one thing in society now that can be a galvanizing influence is sports. Politics can't do it. Religion can't do it. Unfortunately, tragedy can do it, but we don't want that. The one thing that can positively galvanize a community is sports. And it sounds to me like at the baseline, that's what STL City is trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, yes, we want to have a world-class club on the pitch, but we also want to have a world-class club off the pitch and be part of the communities and have people celebrate not only our team when they're competing, but also what they do for the community, the influences they have, and really just find a way to unite this entire community. But I'm really glad to hear that you feel that strongly about sports, considering you are a sports reporter. So I think you're in the perfect field, Randy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He really is. He really is. You know, Carolyn, I I think back to the day that it was announced that St. Louis was granted an MLS team. And I think about the Palladium and how that that space was just packed to the brim. You couldn't even get in. Everybody was crowded together. And just how, what that must have been like for you in that moment to be able to look out in the crowd and get that immediate response of excitement and how thrilled everyone was to arrive at this day. And a lot has obviously changed since then. And you had an experience yesterday where it was you and some members of your team and uh, an entire group of cutouts from fans that were submitted. So how has it been for you from just a reaction standpoint? Because you didn't get that immediate, you know, clapping from the crowd after you announced it, etc. So how have you been able to kind of, uh, you know, take the temperature of the community and their excitement level with this? It was very interesting, and uh, so we did a dress rehearsal on Wednesday, so you could get used to speaking the cardboard cutouts. Um, but, I mean, it, it is what it is, and so there's no point in, you know, getting upset about it or not getting upset about it. You know, again, the team's great. They were feeding us, you know, updates throughout the day, knew exactly where we were at. But, you know, at that point, not to be selfish, but I was living in the moment of actually getting able to just announce this name, and so it was more just trying to hold my emotions intact really being able to celebrate this great news. And quite frankly, I think it might have been better with just cardboard cutouts. (laughs) But, um, you know, certainly the text messages, the emails, the feedback that came in throughout the day and night, even this morning, certainly um, was a great reminder just how excited everybody was. It is going to be, it's it's not going to be typical August for the next week or so in St. Louis. It's going to be in the 80s, though. Are you ever going to remove your scarf over the course of the next couple of weeks? (laughs) 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to have to sleep with it. Well, the other, no, but I'm afraid if I wear it out in public and somebody can't get one, they're going to knock me down and take my scarf. So that's I have to be careful right. where be I careful. go with it, Randy. Yeah, that's, that's some precious cargo, Carolyn, for sure. Well, we, we had been looking forward to August 13th because we knew it was the day that we were going to get the name and the crest and the colors. So what's the next big tent pull in this process for you guys? You know, I think right now we have to make some key hires. Um, we really need to start focusing on the sporting side and, you know, trying to build our academy system. Um, stadium construction is coming along great, so we're very blessed and lucky there. But it's really just going to be kind of bringing the fans back together. You know, we need a mascot. We need a nickname. We need all those great traditions. And, and we do believe that that is going to have to be organically grown by the fans. So, look, we'll, you know, hopefully we're looking forward to some great uh, fan focus groups, certainly more engagement there. And then, obviously, working with our corporate sponsors, um, you know, now that we actually have a club to go and sell them, we can kind of take their branding and, you know, intermingle it into our branding. And then, of course, ticket deposits. Um, you know, we're ready, hopefully soon, to get those ticket deposits and start selling some seats. It should be great. We can't wait. We're so excited about everything that has happened, and especially yesterday, what a monumental day it was for St. Louis City SC. Carolyn, congratulations. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. You too. That was Carolyn Kindlebet, CEO of STL City SC. I love it, and I'm so excited. You know, you can get to, if you go to the website, S- STL City SC, yes. you go to shop, you can get face coverings. They have masks. I saw that. I saw it. It's, it's right at the top. It's very prominent. Yeah. You know, I bet when they initially started talking about this and merchandise and what they wanted, face coverings wasn't even on the map. No, uh-uh. <laughs> and now it's, it's a big deal. So... I thought really good answers, a really good explanation of the name and the colors, and we got her colors in there. That was important. And I hope that people, I know it's hard for some people when you have a certain point of view, but I just hope that people listen to what she said. The entire point of this is to unify everyone and is to reframe the way that we view St. Louis as a whole and to bring everyone together so everyone can be proud of St. Louis and take ownership in it. And you're from Belleville, but when you went up to Bristol and somebody would ask you, oh, where are you from? You said... St. Louis, STL Mo, and I'm not even from Mo. I'm from from Illinois. Exactly. I'm from Creve Corps. I'm from the county. And when I travel, when I go to Super Bowls, or where are you from? I'm from 101 ESPN in St. Louis. We're not from Creve Corps. We're not from Belleville. We're not from Flores, and we're not from Wildwood. We're from St. Louis, and we do have to unify. And at least when we describe ourselves to each other, we have to unify as St. Louis. And I think it's a beautiful message that they have. And and you know that that's going to be their mission statement. When they say, hey, we want to unify this region and we want to be a huge part of this community and we want to be a part of the continued revitalization of St. Louis as not only a great city in America, but an international city. For them to say that is one thing. To make it representative in your team name tells you how committed they are to that message. And I'm I'm just so thrilled to have this ownership group be in charge of this. And I cannot wait to see where they take this thing. It's going to be really special. How great is that family? When you think about what they've done to maintain the, the blues, they're part owners of the blues, the donations that they've made over the years at, uh, by the way, at the hand of Carolyn Kindle Betts, who is in charge of Enterprise's charitable arm, but contributing to St. Louis City schools, uh, contributing to the zoo, contributing to hospitals throughout the region. What that family has done and what that corporation, the Taylor family and Enterprise Corporation have done 
is akin to what Anheuser-Busch used to be. And when I was starting in this business, it used to be if something was happening in this town and you needed something done, everybody turned to the brewery. They would take care of it. Mm -hmm. Now... We turn to enterprise. If something needs to be done in St. Louis, we turn to enterprise and they take care of it for us. So many of the things that we love in St. Louis and are proud of and that are representative of our city to other people outside, they have their fingerprints all over it. They do. They're great. They're great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Swalman on 101 ESPN. Next up, how excited should we be about the Cardinal rookie making his debut tomorrow? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Switch hitting outfielder Dylan Carlson is the number 18 prospect in all of baseball, according to the MLB.com prospect rankings. He is the Cardinals' number one prospect, and he's been called up and will make his major league debut presumably tomorrow when the Cardinals play the White Sox, hopefully, in a doubleheader. And John Mozeliak saying that he plans on, or he expects to see, he, he's not the manager, he is the, the pobo, but... <laughs> He, he would expect that with Dylan Carlson here, that Dylan Carlson will play every day. Michelle, just to refresh people's memories, he hasn't played a game since spring training. But last year in AAA, when he was called up late, Carlson played 18 games, hit 361 for Memphis with a 418 on base and a 681 slug for a 1.098 OPS. He hit... Five home runs and nine RBI and drove in nine in 72 at-bats. Before that, playing at Springfield last year, he hit 281 with an 882 OPS, 21 home runs in 417 at-bats. So he's a guy that over the course of his minor league career has developed some power. He's very skilled. He knows the game. He's a coach's son. Started going to his dad's high school practices when he was six years old and he is the quintessential five-tool player. They say that he can hit, he can run, he can hit for power, he can field, and he can throw. And I see no reason, if you've got him here, why you don't play him in center field every day. I'm really excited about him because I think in terms of ceiling, he's the Cardinal outfielder with the highest ceiling. I mean, he sounds like a dream, Randy, the way you yeah. just rattled all that out. He sounds like something the Cardinals organization has been searching for for a long time. And we've heard about the potential star power of Dylan Carlson, so much so that when John Mozalek was talked about potentially moving him in a trade, his quote was, you can pry him out of my cold, dead hands. Yeah. And when John Mozalek says something like that, he says it for a reason. When he mentions Dylan Carlson in the same breath as Albert Pujols and Oscar Tavares, he does that intentionally. That's not something that somebody like John Mozalek who's very measured in the things that he says would say if he didn't truly believe that this guy would eventually live up to the billing. Now, are we going to see it right away? Probably not. But the fact that he's finally coming up and you know he's going to get consistent playing time should make a lot of Cardinal fans really excited. One of the reasons the Cardinals were great under Whitey Herzog in the 80s is because they confounded opposing managers and pitchers because they had five switch hitters. Pendleton, Ozzy, Herr, Coleman, McGee, all switch hitters. The Cardinals will have a lineup tomorrow if Carlson's in center, Fowler's in right, and Edmund is at shortstop with three switch hitters. That's the most switch hitters they've had in their lineup since those days of Whitey Ball. That really does change the way that an opposing team, opposing manager and pitcher have to approach, especially an opposing manager, has to approach attacking a lineup. And if you have those three in reasonable proximity, to each other, I think that'll really cause problems for opposing teams. 
it just provides another weapon for the mm-hmm. Cardinals and in a space where they certainly need some weapons. And it gives Mike Schilt another thing tactically to use to his advantage. But I just... I, I'm concerned about the Cardinal offense heading into this because it had a lot of questions prior to a COVID outbreak. Yeah, their um, last game they got shut out, Michelle. Right, yeah, amongst the T. I mean, we, we had some questions heading into this. Those questions have since, you know, definitely multiplied. But I'm not coming in with any expectations. That's the difference is, you know, after those five games that we had seen from the Cardinals, we had a lot of questions about the offense, some consternation that these trends were continuing from last season. Heading into this, I have zero expectations. I don't know what these guys are going to look like. But I do think that somebody like Dylan Carlson could provide a spark to an offense that may be a little lifeless, at least for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. important uh, question that I need answered here. Well, I am here to answer. I've got my ideas for you. The Cardinals don't have a number 28 and they don't have a number three throughout his minor league career Carlson has been number eight that's taken by Mike Schilt right now Mm -hmm. so if you're going to award Dylan Carlson a number is it going to be three which is kind of close to eight or is it going to be 28 which Mm -hmm. is eight for the second time Ooh. You know, I kind of like three, Randy, and here's why. Oh, do you want a size, by the way? Just Will that help you? Okay. Because some some guys are just too big for a single digit. He's 6'2", 205. Okay. So I'm still going to stick with three because when I think about numbers in Cardinal history, at least from the time that I've been a fan, number five obviously holds a special place. Number four obviously holds a special place. So if he is going to ascend into what we think he can be for this organization, why not just make three, four, five the three best Cardinals that I've probably seen in my lifetime? I like that idea. Were you happy with Carlos Beltran? Did he look good as number three? for you I I, you know I have different feelings about Carlos Beltran now but at the time yes he was such an elegant player I thought he he was somebody that you were you could look at and be proud that he was a cardinal Carlos was six is six one two fifteen again uh Carlson six two two oh five both switch hitters both outfielders mm. elegant I think that Carlo or uh Dylan Carlson will look fine Wearing number three for the Cardinals. Would you prefer 28? No, I wouldn't. Okay, good. And 28's a good number, but they can give 28 to Nolan Gorman when he comes up or something like that, right? Because, hey, there's a number 28 in Colorado that's playing pretty well at third base. So it's not a number that you can't give to a third baseman. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And we had a 27 that was, and 27's available too. Oh, yeah. Forgot about Brett Brett Cecil leaving and they aren't going to retire it for him. Oh, they're not? Does he know? <laughs> I doubt he does. So what? now the 27's in the mix, What do you like that better? No, I'm, I'm three for the outfielder. I'm three for Carlson. Yeah, he can be our Babe Ruth. It's three. It's three. Let's yeah. make it three. And then when Gorman comes up, you can give him 27 or 28. Done. I'm glad we hashed this out. Yeah, so we, we've got things figured out. And hopefully he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. And my guess would be, just to alleviate some of the pressure, you probably don't hit him second, even though you don't have your regular lineup. I think you can put together a lineup with Wonger and I'm guessing that Edmund's still going to hit second. I'm guessing that Goldie will still hit third. Maybe O'Neal fourth, Carpenter fifth, Fowler sixth, and then Carlson seventh-ish. I'd be okay with that. Hmm. I kind of don't wonder if they're going to take the approach of, hey, He's here. Why not use him how, how we hope to use him in the future? Why not just throw him in the deep end? I, what do we got to lose? That, you literally have nothing to lose no, at this point. that has happened. So 
Okay. How about this? Edmund, or uh, Wong Edmund Carlson, Goldschmidt, Carpenter, either Kisner or, no, I'm, I'll hit, oh, O'Neill. Yeah. So oh, O'Neill, okay, I'm okay with him at six. And then Kisner, seven. Fowler, eight. And who's my number nine hitter then? I'm going to leave it out. Let's see. Let's go over I I'm, I don't have a DH. I got to put a DH in there. Okay, so we're going start over. Wong, Edmund, Carlson. Yep. Goldie. Uh, Goldie, Carpenter. Carp. Kisner. Kiz. Fowler. Fowler. So I need One, a DH. Two. And I don't want to hit my DH way down there. So what you can do is, if you want to catch weeders, you can catch weeders oh. and let Kisner DH. Okay, there you go. I'll, I'll do that. And I'll hit Weeder's eighth. Okay. Or ninth. I think it'd be kind of an insult to hit to Fowler to hit him ninth. <laughs> so I've got... Um, who's my number nine hitter, though? Who do you, you... You've got it written down there. I have Wong, Edmund Carlson, mm-hmm. Goldie, Carpenter. O'Neal. O'Neal's who I was missing here. Okay. O'Neal. So hold on. One, two, three, four. Wong... Carpenter O'Neill. Kisner Fowler Weeders. Okay. I can I I can hit Kisner ninth. So that's okay. There's your lineup. There Mike, you go. Mike, we know you're on the road. We know you're driving, and you're welcome. Wong, Edmund Carlson, Goldie, Carp, O'Neill, Kisner, Fowler Weeders. Or Weeders Fowler. What? I know he's gonna hate us for it. Because he signed here to be a leadoff hitter and center fielder. But Dexter Fowler could be your second leadoff hitter hitting ninth. I was thinking that, too. I was thinking, why don't we just do do a double okay. leadoff situation? We'll do Book that. End it. Okay. That's done. So it's done. Kisner, Weeders, Fowler as your bottom three. Mike, you're welcome. Yep. There you go. <laughs> that is uh, the Cardinal lineup for tomorrow <laughs> against the White Sox. <laughs> you heard it here on 101 ESPN. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Mikey is back again for the fight on 101. 101- we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. All right, welcome back to Character and Smallman on this Friday here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.35, which means it is time for the fight, and we have an epic fight on deck for you today. But before we get into our fight, I need a recap of what happened yesterday because I took the day off, and I didn't get a chance to listen to the fight. And I came in today. I see Mikey is still with us today, so I know something must have happened. So, Scott, I hear there was a little bit of drama that happened in the fight yesterday, so can you update me and the listeners who may have missed it what happened yesterday? Yeah, so here's basically what happened. Mikey and uh, Randy had an epic duel. It came down to a 2-2 fight and the the big question that was in question, I should say, was about home runs on a birthday. And the reason I picked the birthday, it was your birthday, Michelle. So I was like, all right, I can try to make the angle about it. It was about birthday home runs. And uh, Mikey got the right answer with A-Rod. Randy guessed Barry Bonds. Unfortunately, 
That was not right. So we came down to a tiebreaker for the Hall of Fame. Okay. The wow. question was how many car- how many regular season wins do the Cardinals have in franchise history? Mikey guessed ten thousand one hundred and twenty-three. Randy guessed ninety-three hundred. The answer ninety-seven forty. Mikey beat him by seventeen <laughs> games. Seventeen wow. games. I was doing the math. In my hands while Danny Mac was talking about it. I was over here shaking because I've never had a more heavy-duty math problem in my life live on the air. And Mikey ended up getting in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Well, Mikey is with us. So, Mikey, excellent work and congratulations on making it into the Hall of Fame yesterday. Thank you and happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks, Mikey. That's so sweet of you. Well, now that you're a Hall of Famer, you must know that the rules have changed for you, okay? Because clearly the regular fight is just too easy for you. So we have to up it a little bit. So as we mentioned, you are a Hall of Famer. You're going to be on the 101 ESPN website. You today, Mikey, have the opportunity to be the very first person in character and Smallman history to win four consecutive fights. You are the first person. You can be the first person to win four. But in order to do that, you have to take the fight Randy style, which means we are not going to give you the options, but you do have the opportunity to use one lifeline, okay? Yes, we're going to give it our best. (laughs) Well, your best has been pretty darn good so far, Mikey, so let's have some confidence. All right, question number one for you. And don't forget, you do have that one lifeline option. Where did Mark McGuire play college baseball? Oh. Um, no idea, but I'm going to say UCLA. All righty, Mikey. Question number two for you. When Joe Torre was fired by the Cardinals in 1995, who was the interim manager for the remainder of the season? Um, I'll use a lifeline on this one. Okay. It's, is it Ken Boyer, Mike Jorgensen, or Fred McAllister? Um, Fred McAllister. Okay, Mikey, question number three. The Blues signed a five-year agreement with a new AHL franchise. What state is that franchise in? Massachusetts. And question number four for you, Mikey. Who has the most home runs in a Cardinals uniform? Cardinals uniform. Um, I'm going to go stand because if you get that wrong, I mean, it's a good guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's a pretty good guess. All right. Let's check score here. And Randy is coming in the studio. Randy, say hello again. You're very familiar with him. It's Mikey. It's the Hall of Famer. Mikey, HOFer. How you doing, man? (laughs) Doing good. Playing with house money. Yeah. So good to have you with us. And, uh, so, yeah, who scored the most goals uh, on their birthday in NHL history? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> is that what, is that the sort of thing, Randy, that you're now researching to just having your back pocket? Yeah, I, gotta have to, I, I need that knowledge now. <laughs> okay, Randy. Well, since Mikey is a certified Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. he had to take this fight if he wants to continue on to keep the streak alive. He had to take the, the fight Randy style. All right. Which means he got no options but a lifeline. Okay. Okay. So just want to give you that that context as we get into the fight here. Sounds good. Okay. Question number one, Randy. Where did Mark McGuire play college baseball? He was a pitcher at the University of Southern California. He was on the same pitching staff as Randy Johnson. Wow. USC. Fun fact. 
Question number two. When Joe Torre was fired by the Cardinals in 1995, who was the interim manager for the remainder of that season? One of my favorite people and handled that job so deftly was Mike Jorgensen, who had uh, been in the Cardinal system, played for the Cardinals under Whitey Herzog, and did a great job. I, I love Jorgie. Great nickname, too, Jorgie. Yeah. Question number three, Randy. The Blues signed a five-year agreement with a new AHL franchise. What state is that franchise in? Massachusetts. Springfield. Curb's old stomping grounds. And your final question, Randy. Who has the most home runs in a Cardinals uniform? Ever. Like, in their whole career. Yeah. So, like, it'd be that 475 that Stan Musial hit? We've got a winner, folks. Go crazy, folks! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Mikey, epic run. You're still a Hall of Famer, but Randy stops the streak at three. He got all four correct. He beat you four to two. So let's run through the answers here. Mark McGuire played college baseball, as Randy mentioned, at USC. He was a pitcher there. He did turn him into a hitter. Eventually. Yeah, right. And, and you know what? Thanks for doing that. Worked out pretty well. We appreciate it here in St. Louis. When Joe Torre was fired by the Cardinals in 95, Mike Jorgensen was the interim manager for the remainder of that season. Jorgie, as Randy said. The Blues signed a five-year agreement with the Springfield Thunderbirds, which are in Massachusetts. That's the new AHL franchise. And the most home runs in a Cardinal uniform is Stan Musial with 475. Mikey, round of applause for you. Congratulations. You're a Hall of Famer. And thank you so much for playing. Thank you, guys. It was awesome. All right. Appreciate it, Mikey. Great run. So if Albert would have stayed, do you think Cardinal fans would have been cool with him passing Stan Musial? Yes, of course. Do you think people would I, I think wouldn't? so, too. No, but there are things that happen sometimes where people are, like when Roger Maris passed Babe Ruth, people were upset in New York that somebody would have the gall to pass Babe Ruth on the all-time home run list, uh, single-season home run list. People were upset at Maris for hitting more than Ruth. Yeah, when we watched that Long Gone Summer documentary, mm-hmm. it was amazing to me how many people were upset about oh, you know, Maris breaking the records yeah. and you know how he was so stressed out about it. His hair was falling out and people gave him no love, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. But Albert Pujols holds a different you know, place of significance in St. Louis and in Cardinal history. He revered Stan so mm-hmm. much. And the way that Stan was with the community and just what he represented for us as St. Louisans and as Cardinals fans, Albert did the exact same thing. He was the modern right. day Stan. And so if anybody was going to break that, it, it should be Albert. And I think people would have embraced that and welcomed it. And it's history. St. Louis is filled with diehard baseball fans who would have loved to see that happen in a Cardinal uniform because it would have been history. Well, and that's the big difference between Albert doing, and hopefully he gets to 660 sooner rather than later, but hopefully tonight but the biggest difference between him doing it there and doing it here is that each of these milestones would be just such monstrous deals for us whereas oh let's go and see if we can see albert Pujols hit a home run in anaheim it's wow albert's gonna catch willie mays we're gonna fill up the stadium we aren't but the tv ratings would be through the roof for something like that happening here in st louis do you think if that was happening here that that ticket for those games would be as competitive on the market as a postseason game or a World Series game? I think so, yeah. I think so, too. No doubt about it. Uh, 
Joey V is not available at the moment, so Joey is going to join us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. So coming up, the MLS team here in St. Louis has their new crest and their new colors. We're going to hear what Carolyn Kindle Betts had to say about it. Plus, Cardinals might not get to 60 games, but can they get to 50? That's next on today's Big Thing on 101 ESPN. One ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And if you didn't get an opportunity to hear from Carolyn Kindle Betts, you'll be able to hear so, uh, hear her on the 101 ESPN app or at 101ESPN.com. After our show, we've got a podcast every single day. And you know already, it's on the 101 ESPN app, which I don't know if you're aware of this, it's free. Yeah, so download that, baby. That's pretty cool. We also provide you the opportunity to join us on the social medias, <laughs> on uh, the Insta, as it were. Yeah. At M. Smallman and on Twitter at M. Smallman. I'm at RJ Carricker on the gram and uh, at Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine. I want to see some social media content from you this weekend, Randy. I want to see what you're up to this weekend. I'll live tweet something. Yeah, get some stories I'll, going I'll, on I'll your Instagram. T- yeah, I'll, I'll live tweet Dylan Carlson's first major league at bat. Oh, please do, because that is something that we are all looking forward to. Yeah. How great is this weekend in sports going to be? I hope it's great. Well, just the fact that we have Blues playoff hockey on mm-hmm. deck. We have, fingers crossed, Cardinal baseball <laughs> ready to go after a long absence. It's just a lot to finally look forward to and schedule our weekends around. Yeah, it's great to have sports now. Carolyn Kindle Betts did join us at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, and we've got our new crest, we've got our new colors, and... She told us a couple of weeks ago, Michelle, that her favorite colors were pink and blue, and a lot of people are buying into the pink. I, I'm not going to venture an opinion because I can't tell you what the difference is between pink and salmon and <laughs> orange and whatever. But some people are saying that it's pink. A lipstick color I thought was pretty accurate. Yeah, it looks great. It, it's not as bright as cardinal red. It's got kind of a a deeper pinkish undertone Mm -hmm. which I like though. I like that it's different than cardinal red that it's its own distinguished red and its own distinguished blue and the the gray from the arch and I like that they when they rolled it out Randy they did mention the yellow too so I'm sure we're going to see that worked in there in a lot of ways maybe in the kits or in some of the future merch but I thought they absolutely nailed it with the color scheme and you know the red while not well yeah I think I do like it you know referred to as a lipstick red it does have some pink so she didn't lie to us as she said on the radio some people are concerned about questioning the name of st louis city stl city sc and she admits that the franchise has a job to do in terms of educating people about why st louis city was chosen absolutely and you know what i mean we are really excited as a team to go ahead and continue those conversations because we really need this entire region to expand exactly what you just said how they define city And when you look at what is so unique to St. Louis, and that is the diverse cultures and the iconic neighborhoods and the heritage we have, we need to take all that and move it forward. And we need to make this a region that comes together to our stadium to celebrate the great sport of soccer. And hopefully, as a sports franchise in town at what once was the unquestioned soccer capital of America, my hope would be that St. Louis City SC is capable of bringing a lot of people together. And one thing that we do know, Michelle, about 
soccer and MLS soccer specifically is that it appeals to and brings together a younger audience. And that's so important for the future because you can bring me in. You've got me. You, you've got the, the, the people in their 50s. But what you want to do is bring people together that are going to be in St. Louis and can influence the future of St. Louis for a long time. Without a doubt. When you think about the Blues logo and the, and the birds on the bat, those are things that we take pride in. And St. Louis, maybe more than any other city in the country, really, is very proud of their city. We're provincial. When you talk about people from St. Louis or when anything is mentioned about St. Louis, people from St. Louis are the first to tell you, hey, <laughs> this is a great place to live. We love St. Louis. We're proud of our hometown. And I, I noticed that more than, than ever when I went away because it wasn't just me who was up in Bristol talking about St. Louis. They nicknamed me Midwest Michelle, but when Taylor Twelman would come in studio, he would always talk about St. Louis. It's just something that inherently is within us. So I love the fact that Carolyn Kendall Betts and Jim Cavanaugh and the entire MLS for the Lou group said, this is something that we want reflected in our name. And you're right. You're going to have an entire generation of soccer fans, generation after generation growing up that just like the pride they take in the birds on the bat are going to take pride in the, in the name city. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take pride in the messaging behind that, that they're unifying a region and that they want forward progress. And they're going to take pride in the fact that the name of the club represents what we hope to be as a as a place, as St. Louis. And that's what a, what a great thing to have represent represented in a soccer club. Meanwhile, the Cardinals hope to play tomorrow in Chicago. When I was in college, me, I, I had a 1977 Oldsmobile Cutlass and it had like bucket seats in front and nice. three seats in back with not much leg room. Okay. And me, I drove, fortunately, and three other guys went to, or no, four other guys, three in the back seat and then one in each front seat. We drove up to a Blues game in Chicago at Chicago Stadium, and I probably did drive between 90 and 95 miles an hour. Did you get pulled over? I did not, fortunately. Yeah, you're lucky. We had a great time. That's the day that we painted our hair blue and we had our blues sweaters on. (laughs) And... The Blues took a big lead, or no, they fell behind and then came back in the third period and won the game. It was a playoff game. And at Chicago Stadium, they had these security guys that had to wear orange plastic jackets. And we were so loud, and the Chicago fans were so stunned that they had to have the security guys surround us to protect us. To get you out? Yeah. yeah. To to escort you to your car? Yeah. Wow. So it, Congratulations it, on making yourself known. I'm oh, sure that was awesome. We intimidated the Chicago fans. Point being that today the Cardinals are driving up to Chicago, hopefully not between 90 and 95 miles an hour. You can make that in four and a half hours if you drive that fast. Yeah, but let's hope that they're safe, Randy. Yeah, I that, mean, that's the key. Be safety's safe. Safety's key. Safety's key here. And as the Cardinals hopefully restart their season tomorrow, and our friend Derek Gould lays this out very well at stltoday.com or if you pick up a St. Louis Post-Dispatch, but... As of tomorrow, the Cardinals will have 44 days remaining in the season and 55 games left on their schedule. Now, Rob Manfred's office said this past week it's unlikely that the Cardinals will play their full schedule, but Derek points out one scenario would be to play 49 games in 44 days to reach 54 for the season. An additional two doubleheaders, and the Cardinals could play 51 games in 44 days and possibly get all of their NL Central games in. That would require eight doubleheaders in those 44 days. That'd be fun. For the guys that love playing baseball, that would be so cool. From a fan's perspective where we didn't have it for four and a half months, I'm 
fine with multiple real doubleheaders, especially if they're only seven inning doubleheaders where it's not taking out six and a half hours of my day. If it's taking out five hours of my day, I'm on board with that. Of course, we're on board with it as fans because we get to enjoy it in the air conditioning from our couch yeah. while we're snacking. It's going to be great. Now, for the players, I know that these guys love baseball, and I know probably more than ever after what they've experienced over the past few weeks being quarantined in a haunted hotel in Milwaukee, then getting you know word that you're allowed to come home, the reboot is happening. Oh, nope kidding, quarantining your house. They're probably going to have an appre... And this is coming off, by the way, in an extended quarantine where you didn't even know if the season was going to happen. So with all of the things that they've endured, I can't imagine that they've ever been more excited or grateful to play baseball. And so the guys that love baseball are probably looking at this as you're right, saying, yes, this is going to be awesome. It's kind of a throwback to when we were younger. Like, let's just go out there and play baseball. But... Also, that's a lot of baseball for them from a physical standpoint. So they have to be careful with the way they're deploying these players, especially the pitchers. And it was going to be a sprint, not a marathon anyway. And now that sprint has all of a sudden ratcheted up. Knowing what we know because of the layoff that you just talked about in the Cardinals, maybe they'll get a workout in. Probably not today in Chicago. So they're going to come back and they're just going to start playing ball. You haven't worked out for a couple of weeks. Now you're going to start playing ball. And today I wrote today at uh, ESPN.101 ESPN.com. Michelle, do you, and I know this is an easy question for me to answer right now in a dispassionate moment, but I wrote, and I don't care what the outcome of the games is. I'm happy to have baseball back. That might change if they blow a 3-1 lead in the ninth inning against the Cubs next week. But as I sit here right now, I think it's unreasonable and unfair for me to expect the Cardinals to walk in to start playing and start winning all the time. It is unreasonable because we don't know what kind of physical condition everyone is going to be in. You know, you've seen videos of Adam Wainwright throwing in his yard. Some of these guys don't have the equipment probably needed to work out in the manner in which they're used to or maybe even the space to do so. Some of these guys have homes that are equipped with the things that they need. But some of these guys have apartments, you know, because they haven't had the big contract yet or they haven't had the time, especially during a pandemic, to get settled or they didn't really want to invest in a place because they didn't really know what was going to happen this season so you have to keep that in mind too so my expectations aren't even there I'm just grateful that we're going to have Cardinal baseball and if they come out and they are on fire and they start winning or they look sharp or we're seeing pops of life here or pops of life there or X player looks great yeah my expectations will rise up a tick but at least at the at the outset of this probably even through the entire both Chicago series I have zero expectations I'm just going to enjoy it and savor it while I can one time the Washington Redskins 1987 replacement team and the the movie the replacements was based on them and joe gibbs when they went into dallas and beat dallas on a monday night he called it before the game the greatest challenge in the history of sport (laughs) that this it was kind of like the u.s hockey team playing the russians it was a group of replacements and the cowboys were back they had their guys back and the redskins went in and beat them This would be the same kind of thing. For the Cardinals to play over the course of the next week and win a lot would be overcoming one of the great challenges in the history of sport. If any team, not only in just baseball, Randy, in sports, period, can do this, it's a team with devil magic. Yes, it is. Yeah, and we know we've got that. So, hey, do we have a problem with having a deal with the devil? No, as long as we win. That's right. Ask Clayton Kershaw. Ask <laughs> right. the Washington Nationals. There you go. We've made that deal with the devil. And? 
It's all right. We're, gonna, we're good it. with that. We're good. But you know what? In order for that deal to remain, he needs to show up now. Now is the time that yeah, you show up. Buddy. Right. Do your thing. Sold our souls. This is the time we need you. <laughs> Joey Vitale next with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. I'm going to allow uh, two of my favorite people to discuss here. Joey Vitale, Michelle Smallman. Joey, Michelle's birthday was yesterday and she had a carrot cake. Yeah, Joey. I, I hate to inform you, Randy brought me in one of his famous carrot cakes for my birthday, and man, that thing is already gone. The family has demolished it. All right, Michelle, let's break this down. <laughs> give me your give me your best Food Network critic uh, breakdown of Randy Carrot's carrot cake. All right, Joey. Well, at first you think a carrot cake on the grill. I'm a little suspect. But then you see this beauty come out and it looks like a traditional carrot cake. But the joy is really when you slice into it because you see the inside of that cake. It's the perfect brown kind of orange tinged color. It's moist, but also firm enough to where when you slice into it, it's a perfect bite. It's not crumbly at all. The outside of the cake, I think, is really the piece de resistance because it's got a little bit of crispiness from the grill that you really taste as you're biting it. And then, Joey, we cannot let this conversation go by without talking about that cream cheese frosting. It is perfectly whipped. It is delicious. It it, it provides the sweetness to counteract with the carrots. And then that crunch from the walnuts on top, I'm telling you, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Hey, hey, he put the walnuts on top. Sometimes he gets a little cheap on us and he sits (laughs) out on the walnuts. I'm glad he he put the walnuts on, on Michelle. Honest to God. If you ever lose your gig at 101, you should call the Food Network because that was about as classy of a breakdown as I have heard in a very, very long time. And and the one thing I'll add to that, I mean, you literally said it all, but my favorite, I don't know about you, the corners. The corners kind of got that good little crunch from both sides where they kind of, the smoke kind of gets in. And I, I literally come home, Randy would bring a cake to the games last year. I would cut four corners out of it and I would stuff my face on the way home and then I, my kids the next day in the fridge would pull this cake out and imagine a cake with no corners. That's what it looks like. But it's, it's, it's amazing. You're right. A smoker grilled carrot cake the sound of it makes me want to throw up, but it is the greatest cake I've ever had. You're right. The corners are the prime real estate. If you're going to get a character carrot cake, you need to make sure you need to say to someone, oh, the corners, it's kind of like a brownie. They're not as good, but you know the truth so that you can hoard the corners. But Joey, proposition for you. When we're allowed to go back to stadiums again, you, me, part of the pregame show, we're tasting the foods at the stadiums and we're giving it kind of a top chef judgment. Hey, you know, I really, really like that. I think that's a great idea, you know, and especially because, you know, there's so much variety at these games now. I mean, uh, there's games across the league that have these little donut shops and huts and kind of food trucks outside. But even the same with Blue, the Enterprise Center, they have that awesome local brewery shop, the station there. It's got one from Center Ice. Uh, there's ones from uh, Guitar with the Rips one. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones they have. But anyway, they have plenty of local beers and lots of pork and barbecue sandwiches. I- I'd be all for that. That's great. By the way, the reason that I uh, go light sometimes on the walnuts, our producer here, Scott Manziara, has a nut allergy. So <laughs> the last time I brought it in, Joey, uh, he, out of his courtesy, he's such a nice young man, he ate it even though the walnuts were on it, and he has a nut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Take hey, it easy on me, Joey. Amazing. That is that, that is a that's about as loyal 
as as an employee and a partner that you could ever dream of that they would suck it up, suck up through their allergy. You know, I do the same thing. I do the same. I actually am intolerant to beer. I can't drink a lot of beer. And whenever whenever I sit down with someone and they want to get together for a beer, you know if I'm invested in this relationship <laughs> if I actually sit down and finish a beer because while it'll be good for thirty minutes. I guarantee you I'm, I'm walking home and I'm scratching my neck and I'm up all night wheezing the entire time. There is something about that. I tell you what, I always thought you were just going cheap on the walnuts because they were expensive, Randy. I, I apologize. Uh, I don't know, Joey, if it's dedication to the show or if the carrot cake's that good that it's worth having an allergic reaction to it. <laughs> oh, it is. Don't no, trust me. If I was allergic to cream cheese frosting, carrots, flour, and, and whatever else is in that cake, I cinnamon, I would definitely still eat that cake. It, it, it was a risk dying for me, uh, 100, 120%. My favorite thing, I don't know if he did this for you, Michelle, but one time he actually took it the extra mile. Remember, there's no traffic in the extra mile. Great saying. He did the extra mile, and he actually piped little cute bunny carrots on top of the sheet cake. Like, I, I have never seen... I mean, that, to me, I knew Randy. He, he found, like, this little corner in my heart, and, and he will always be there until all of eternity. <laughs> Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. All right, game two tonight, actually this afternoon, 5.30 start, Blues and Canucks. Based on what we have seen, Joey, in the five games the Blues have played in Edmonton, is... I want you to give us your read as to why you think they have a a good chance to win game two tonight. Well, I think they have a good chance to win game two, Randy, because I I like the way they trended in some really good areas in game one. You know, I thought, I thought they had energy. I thought they started well. I thought they were feisty. I thought they were emotionally invested in the game. You know, look at David Prime, how he was working on Quinn's news, a little face wash, a little pop of the hips, all great things right there. Mackenzie McEachern getting in there, finishing checks. I like the way the Blues were getting to the net. You know, you look at that score, and it's a little it's a little frightful. Like, geez, what is wrong with this team? But, you know, people need to remember, this is a 2-2 two to two game heading into this third period, okay? I think if you look at this game, what was the biggest difference between this game and the playoff game last year? To me, guys, we, we didn't necessarily get the save. We just didn't get a save in the third period. And the Blues in this team is so accustomed to getting the save. Do I think that we're in a bad spot? I don't. I thought that that game, game one, I think the Blues looked like that a lot last year in the postseason. You, you go back through all the games, every series. We did not play perfect at all. I mean, everyone thinks about game seven, Boston. Yeah, that was about as perfect as a game you can play and with the best goaltending you can ever ask for. But every game in, that, in those series and every game in that playoff format, we did not play that good. There were games we actually didn't play very good at all. And I'm looking at game one as pretty much the same group. We didn't play great. We didn't play terrible. We were in the mix, and we had a tie game in the third period. The only difference was Jordan Biddington had a couple goals that he would love to have back. If he makes those saves, and let's say we go down and score, it's a completely different uh, revolution. So that, to me, is a good sign. And not only that, the problem is very correctable because Jordan Biddington, his numbers are incredible, especially after a loss. So I do feel very confident the Blues, I think they're going to have a good rebound here tonight. I think they're going to win the game. I think they're going to rebound very well. I think Jordan Bankton's going to be on top of his game. And this is going to be a long series. Uh, Joey, no steam, Barbie or Blay in that game one. What do you, uh, you know, when you're looking at the way the Blues played, how much did they miss those guys? Well, they missed them a 
a lot. I mean, listen, they bring a lot of physicality to the game. They bring a lot of that feistiness, that kind of honey badger style of hockey, which we we come so uh, so accustomed to loving. Uh, but they start games. You know that that fourth line was was very important to setting the momentum and setting the tone for games last year. You know, with Sunquist, Dean, and Barbashev. So that that's something that is very missed. They finish games. They kill penalties. They're just a, a group of energized bunnies out there, and I think the team really feeds off that. But the problem is you don't have them, and you have to move on from it. You know, this team's not going to feel sorry for themselves. They're not going to kind of sit in the corner and lick their wounds. They have to move on. You know, Barbashev isn't going to be back probably till game five, we think. You know, I think he's getting back to the bubble sometime either today or tomorrow. He's got four days consecutively of testing. So you're not looking until game five. Deal with it. It's just the way it is. Tammy Blay, we don't know the extent of his injury. It must be pretty bad. It looked like it was his right MCL, a little knee injury, but I don't know if he's going to be back anytime soon. So it really is just, it's about a group re-identifying themselves. And this is something that Ryan O'Reilly told me about at the start of this past season after they won the cup. And I asked him, you know, how are you guys going to do this again? And he said, we're never going to do it again if we're the same team we were last year, which is, was an interesting comment because what they did last year was they were aggressive and they punished and they were physical and they outworked their teammates, uh, their opponents, and, and they won. So why would you want to change that? But his theory was that, if you keep doing that, teams will figure you out. So his thing was you need to continue to reinvent your game and reinvent yourself to continually keep it fresh so you can keep winning. Now, this is a perfect opportunity for this coach. You don't have those physical guys. Maybe this is an opportunity where they lean away from the physicality. Maybe they kind of re-identify this fourth line of like speed and skill. Maybe we see Jordan Cairo in tonight, guys. We will see We will see shortly. Hey, Joey, one more thing. Uh, as It's a great old hockey uh, axiom. Your best players have to be your best players. And Schwartz, he got the goal the other night. And you can't just say if you're Tarasenko or O'Reilly or Petro uh, or Braden Chin, you just can't say, oh, I'm going to go score a goal tonight. But the fact of the matter is, those guys are the highest paid players on the team because they do score goals. At some point, if the Blues are going to succeed, those guys have to step up. Oh, without question. I mean, you look at all these games, all the teams that were successful. I mean, Boston, the Vegas game last night, the Paul Staffing line went on an absolute run. Even before Toronto got eliminated, that awesome game they came back from. It's Austin Matthews scores in the overtime. Paris with the game tire. I mean, you look across the board. Look at this uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing in, in Columbus right now. A uh, stud every single night. Sebastian Ajo, Tara Vinen, Sveshnikov in Carolina. These guys are on an absolute tear right now. And these teams are running because their best players are at their very best. The Blues will not continue. They will not continue. I don't care what people say unless they get this top line going. You can be physical all you want. You can get in the kitchen of Quinn Hughes. You can disrupt Pedersen all you want. But unless your top line really starts going consistently and scoring consistently, you're never going to have that. And, and it's a bad feeling on the bench because as third and fourth liners, and even second liners to some degree, you're looking at it like we're doing our part. We're being physical. We're shutting down defensively. We're shutting down the Bo Horvat line. We're doing our part. But we're looking, we're looking at the scoreboard, and we're still 0-0, or we're down 0-1. So that, that's a discouraging feeling. So I think that for this top line, it, it's got to get going. You know, they, they've said so much in the media, and these players have said so much. I've been in those locker rooms. I've been in those situations. The message for this line, and especially for this team, is like, guys, enough. Enough of the BS. Go out there and just play. you got to play hard. you got to play fast. If you do that, you stay on your toes, then you, maybe we'll get a goal. And then once you get that goal, then that point energy starts coming. And then Laddie's confidence starts brewing. But it's all about confidence. Every player is a great player. Every player in this league, there, there's not much difference in the best and the worst. It's so close. The only difference that makes great players great this time of the year is confidence. 
But to get confidence, you've got to start somewhere. And it's got to start with their work ethic. It's got to start with their speed. They've got to be on the toes. They've got to forecheck. They've got to be physical. If you do that, you'll spend time in the offensive zone. And then what happens is just snowball effects. Then you get shots, and then that third and fourth shot, maybe one goes in, and then you have to build on that. But this top line has got to be better for the St. Louis Blues, no question about it. And you mentioned what the third and fourth lines are thinking, and I'm just, you can think it, but you really can't say it. I can't imagine Joey Vitale sitting next to Sidney Crosby saying, Sid, you got to pick it up here. <laughs> Listen, I've done that plenty of times. I'm like, Sid, enough, enough. Like, did you not see me on the back door through the four bodies there? Uh, you know, it's actually a funny, really quick story about that. I got caught on his line one time. I don't know how the hell it happened, to be honest with you. But I was out there with him. And I literally was in the corner with the puck, and I just kind of threw it at the net. I come back to the bench, and then we go to the period. The period ends. He goes, hey, did you see me on the back door there? And I was like, oh, dude, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't see you at all. I looked at the replay after the game. He wanted me to fish a puck through like 18 bodies, three zombies, two porky pigs, and, and a big caravan to get in this puck. I'm like, who do you think I am? <laughs> Unless I have a clear sight of you, there's no way I even knew you were there. But uh, no, he was a special player for sure. Joey, you're the best. We'll hear you this afternoon on 101 ESPN. Have a fun weekend. Hey, thanks, Randy. Hey, you know what? BK always says I'm the best, too. I'm getting used to being called the best. My confidence is at all-time high. Thank well, you, guys. Here's the thing, though. BK says everybody is the best. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But when I say it, I mean it. You, you, you're doggone right. Thank you, Randy. I would eat, I would eat a carrot cake of yours if I was allergic to all those ingredients any day of the week, too, buddy. All right. I'll bring you guys one uh, at Centene as these playoffs unfold, all right? That's a huge 10-4. Have a good day, Michelle, Randy. <laughs> See you, buddy. Take care. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Who is the best? He is fantastic, isn't he? As he any, anything he says, whether it's about carrot cake or it's about blues hockey, I believe him wholeheartedly. When he says, I have all the confidence in the blues and here's why, I believe him wholeheartedly. When he says, this is the best cake I've ever eaten, you need to try it. When he says, you need to go to this place and have this sub sandwich, yep. I'm going to go. And that was Vitaly's Deli, by the way. And I had the meatball sandwich that he recommended and it was to die for. It was sensational. So yeah, go get that meatball sub at Vitaly's Deli. And it's, he doesn't even know if it's a family member. Might be, maybe not. You know, let's just, if, so, if the subs are that good, I would definitely claim them. Oh, yeah. Family it, discount. I think his description was, somebody might have married somebody I don't know. I would <laughs> just walk him, in and I'd be like, hey, I'm so-and-so's third cousin. Yeah. Great work here. <laughs> Can we get some extra sandwiches in the back? <laughs> Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's time for You're Killing Me Smalls on this Friday on 101 ESPN. You're killing me, Small. Randy, that Mookie bet's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So the Dodgers beat the Padres 11-2 last night. In that game, Mookie bets three home runs. It's the sixth three-homer game he's had in his career. It's tied for the most in baseball history with Sammy Sosa and Johnny Mize. 27 years old, Randy. What a player. 27, and he's played in just over 800 games, and the other guys were like 1,000 games more to get to their sixth three-homer game. And it was interesting to read the quotes from Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, who said, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he had this much power. And I still will say that the back end of this contract for him will not be great, but... The front end is going to be glorious for the Dodgers and their fans because he is an exceptional talent. So fun to watch. Mm -hmm. You have to want, whenever something like that happens, I think about Red Sox fans and what it would be like to have had that guy on your team and to watch him be doing all of this stuff somewhere else. 
and a high revenue team. Yeah. You have no excuse. And I understand that there's a luxury tax. But the Red Sox have absolutely zero excuse for moving Mookie Betts. There are other players they could have moved to stay under the tax. And they could have kept Mookie Betts if they would have signed him to a... They, I'm sure they could have signed him to the contract he got. But for whatever reason, they decided, now we want to move on from this guy. And that one will haunt Red Sox fans for a half dozen years or more. Mm, feel badly for them. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. There it is. Okay, Randy, in the New York Post, Andrew Marchand, he's always locked in in the media circles. He says that ESPN had an interesting conversation about their Monday night football booth. He revealed that they talked to Rams head coach Sean McVay about potentially becoming a part of Monday Night Football. Now, obviously, that didn't happen, but he said, quote, it was left at that if McVay wants to leave coaching, ESPN would be interested in having him in the booth. Marshan notes that ESPN believes he could take broadcasting, take to broadcasting, excuse me, the way that John Gruden did. I believe that. I think that's a smart move on this part of ESPN. And I think if... McVeigh were to take a more global view of his situation and maybe compare it to a Gruden. The best thing for him might to be get, might be to get out of that organization, go do Monday Night Football for three or four years until your contract with the Rams is up, and then find the best organization that you can get a job with. Maybe go to Pittsburgh where they have great ownership and a great history, and maybe Mike Tomlin is done after four years. Or you're from Atlanta. Maybe uh, when Dan Quinn moves on from the Falcons, take that job. There are a lot better opportunities to win in the NFL organizationally than a place where not only... Do they not understand really how to build a quality team? They, they ran into one a couple of years ago, but they don't have that team anymore. But the other part of it is it, he would be naive to think that that team isn't going to start cutting corners when they start losing a bunch of money because of the lawsuit that they're going to deal with with St. Louis. Love that part at the end. But yeah, just to, to add on to that, I was wondering if the honeymoon phase was over between them and what his commitment level was to the Rams. Because I know ESPN likes to throw a lot of poles in the water. They're looking for people to, to fill those spots that are you know, personable, that are big names, that are going to you know draw viewers in to watch. But to talk to an active NFL head coach who really has given no indication that he would mm-hmm. want to leave his team, somebody must know something to even approach him, to even bring up that conversation. And I wonder if they would, or if they did, approach like a Mike Tomlin, who I think would be really interesting and fun on Monday Night Football. I wonder if McVay, yeah, that's a good point. because of the youth and because of the L.A., the, the star aspect of things, I wonder if he was the only active NFL coach that they approached, I would argue that the only NFL coaches with with personality right now are McVay, Tomlin, and Gruden. Probably those are the only three. McVay, Tomlin, Gruden. Yeah. Is there another NFL coach with a personality? I would throw Bruce Arians in there. Oh, yeah. He's back and good. Yeah. What about Cliff Kingsbury? He's got no personality at all. 
You, you've, you've dealt with him. He's got this, this aura around him, but when you, at least the limited times that I've been around when you've interviewed him, he's mm-hmm. not going to give you much. No, he's vanilla. You know, he he, he yeah. knows, hey, I, this is part of my media obligations, but he's never going to yeah. give you the personality that a Pete Carroll's going to give right. you. Yeah. Pete Carroll's pretty good, but I don't know if you put him on Monday Night Football. What The other guy that I probably did a disservice to is John Harbaugh. Oh, great call. Because he's got a great personality. What about Bill Belichick, Randy? Yeah, well, we're on to Cincinnati. One morning when uh, we're, we are doing a regular season game when the Rams were here, and Coach Venturi and I did the pregame show. You were the producer. You were there for that Ravens game, right? Oh, yeah. I think so. So Coach Venturi introduces me to John Harbaugh, and at this time we were doing high school games on Charter. Demetrius Johnson and I were doing high school games on Charter. And Coach Venturi introduces me to Coach Harbaugh, and he said, were you doing that high school game last night? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, that was great. I love seeing high school football. You guys did a great job. So that tells you about the personality of a guy like Harbaugh, that he is that in tune that he can remember. Because some people, that's a complete disconnect, right? If you're watching a game and you hear a voice, it's just kind of a disconnected voice. But he he was thoughtful enough as a human being to be able to connect those two and say, yeah, you guys did a good job. And then he's watching high school football. On a Saturday night in St. Louis. Yeah. How cool is that? I love it. Um, and those coaches that we were just talking about that have a personality, I want to throw Andy Reid in the mix, too. But you can't put him on Monday Night Football. He's just too... He, he doesn't have any voice inflection. But he's he's got something about him. And I think people would... I would tune in to watch Andy Reid. Now, would it would it last more than a season to where that luster to hear what he had to say would still be there? Probably not. But I think we as fans are different. When NBC is making, a, or CBS or ESPN, when they're making a move for a broadcaster, they want somebody whose personality moves the needle so that they can attract a fan that isn't necessarily somebody who's just going to tune in either way. And I, I I think McVeigh could do that. I think Harbaugh could do that. I just don't, even though he won the Super Bowl, I don't think Andy Reid has enough personality to move the needle and get the non-fan to tune in. Our teammate Anthony Stalter checking in, by the way. He says, Sean Payton has a lot of personality. It just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. And by the way, the reason that I'm sure ESPN went after a guy like McVeigh is because every... Romo wasn't a coach. Everybody's looking for the next John Madden. You're still looking for the next John Madden. Wow. And that's one thing if you're ESP and you say, hey, we can get you on video games. You can have your own video game. Madden's not going to be around much longer. There's so many ways we can get you tons of dollars. I would just say, look at Gruden. He had a cush, cush deal. He was making, what, $6 million a year? Seven million dollars a year, and you have to prepare for one game a week yep. for one season. Yep, Coach Venturi was is best friends with John Gruden. He was Gruden offered him to come on the staff in Oakland, and whenever a job that I thought matched Gruden would open up, I'd call Coach and he'd say, "He's already making already making that NFL head coaching money, and he doesn't have the stress." No. You have to travel, yeah. um, and you certainly have to prepare, but it's so much of it is done for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have those pregame meetings with the team, you have a, a fleet of producers that are coming to come in and say, okay, coach, and after this meeting and you get this information, we're going to have you sit down with, with this player. You're going to ask these questions about the quarterbacks. Um, you know, here's how we're going to shoot it. We just need you to be on set at this time. Right. And done. 
once your season is over at the end of December, you're off for January, February, March. You interview some quarterbacks during April for your camp, your little uh, Gruden's quarterback camp. Then you're off in June and July and August, and you get $7 million a year. What changes that is when you get offered $100 million over 10 years, guaranteed. You know what? $100 mil do it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it'll take it would take a lot for you to give up that job. A hundred million dollars yep. will do it. Yeah. I would like McVay better if he wasn't the coach of the Rams. Of course we would. We would never say anything badly about him. He's no. young, he's dynamic, he's fun. He's aging. But we can't like him. No. We can't like him. And even though I think he did a great job on American Idol as the host of that show. I, and I love him with Kelly Ripa. It's amazing yeah, that he can do that and coach the Rams. I know that it's in L.A., but doing two jobs like that, two high-pressure jobs, you really got to tip your cap to him. Yeah, he's a multi-talented individual, no doubt about it. I've got one more for you, Randy. Okay. You're killing me, Small! So, Randy, have you heard of Kima Siverand? I don't believe so. So he was an undrafted rookie cornerback out of Oklahoma State. He was with the Seahawks. And you're kind of want to know this guy's name because he got released yesterday from the team. And everybody was like, okay, what's the deal? Here's why. The team is holed up in a hotel for training camp. They're obviously trying to create their own little bubble. They're trying to protect the players and keep them safe and healthy. Well, my man was caught on video trying to sneak a female visitor into the team hotel, which is obviously not allowed. But here's the kicker, Randy. He had the woman wear Seahawks gear in in an attempt to disguise her as a player. He gave her a Seahawks hoodie, had it pulled up over her head, and team security personnel managed to see through, Randy, this big-time plot this ruse and they put a halt to his scheme and the team is like what are you doing man they released him that's some seven and nine bs <laughs> right isn't that what got a, guy, got a guy fired from the rams the same thing that caused the seven and nine bs hey haven't we all been there before i think so <laughs> you know what i haven't i really haven't <laughs> i haven't tried to go against what my job was very strictly telling me to do by having somebody disguised in team gear Team, do you really think that you would ever be able to pawn off this girl that you were trying to bring into the hotel as a player? <laughs> Works no. for me at Lindenwood. No. Really? Yeah. Impressive. They had, they had all guy dorms, and you weren't allowed to have girls there after 9 o'clock, and so you just bring a hoodie and some sweatpants out to okay, the parking lot. Okay, but not a professional athlete. <laughs> not little, an NFL player. A little, little bit different. So, Michelle, this <laughs> right. is, I, I didn't remember Kima's name, but I got this email this morning from a public relations specialist. Okay. Okay. Hi, I wanted to reach out with news from cams.com. In light of Seattle Seahawks firing rookie player Kima Sutherland for sneaking a girl into the team's hotel, cams.com, one of the world's largest adult camming and casual dating sites, has extended an offer to NFL players who are under quarantine this season. Okay. Considering the very strict social distancing guidelines the league has laid out, cams.com is offering NFL players and coaches a comped VIP membership to its website to provide reassurance that whenever they're lonely or need some extra motivation leading up to a big game, our cam models will be here for them 24-7. These models can provide companionship, fun conversation, sexy strip teases, and more. Whoa. What a generous offer. It is. And you know, Kima, if you would have just taken this route, you'd still have a job. Right. And you know, it seems like there's kind of a a buffet of options for you. (laughs) There's a lot of of items for you. But can you imagine you're an undrafted rookie and you think you can pull this off. And now you're the first time that you're on the front page of ESPN.com. It's for this. <laughs> right. That's it's right. For, and, you know, I, I hope that you, you really have a great deal of affection for this young lady and that you're going to have a beautiful future together. Because if not, you really threw away a lot for this this one 
night, if you will. The Rams had a guy who was a, another undrafted rookie free agent, and I could text my son. He'd remember the guy's name. He was an undrafted rookie free agent in training camp, and he was late for practice the morning after the Madden game was released because he left to go get the Madden game, played Madden until like 4 or 5 in the morning and was late for practice, and they cut him right away. Wow. Yeah, that's... Which one's worse? I would say this one's worse. Yeah, I would too. You're trying to get away with something there. There, he, This guy was just having fun. The, the, the Kima was trying to get away with something, well, clearly. He was just trying to have fun too, Randy. Yeah, but in a, a different way. But he... Yeah, but with the gal, he was dressing her up in Seahawks gear. He was trying to get away with something. Again, we always talk about this, but I would love to be a part of those conversations when he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to throw yeah. this hoodie on you, put it over your head. No one will suspect a you thing. You think you're a player? And she's like, got it, got it, cool, cool. We're good here, we're good. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You got it, right. That's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Coming up, a big sports weekend on tap here in St. Louis. It's been a long time since we've had one of those. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Over the years, we've had some great sports weekends in St. Louis, and I don't know if this will measure up to having a World Series game and an NFL Monday Night Football game on the same night or a Stanley Cup game and the Cubs in town or something like that. But for 2020, this might be as good as it gets this weekend, Michelle. <laughs> this is 2020 after all. Oh, boy, is it ever. It just the hits keep coming. But I would say coming off of the high that we're experiencing, getting our MLS team name and crest and just knowing that that is moving forward and and being able to revel in that, having this absence of Cardinal baseball and knowing that it's finally returning, having Blues playoff hockey on deck, this is probably in 2020 the best we're going to have it. And I don't wonder, Randy, if it's sweeter now because we realize our gratitude for it because before all of those big events while it it was certainly something that we rallied behind and that we looked forward to it was just part of our everyday life now knowing what it's like when it's gone the void that sports leaves the emptiness that you feel when you don't have cardinal baseball it makes you remove kind of the expectations and the anger and all these other feelings you have and you're just appreciative that you get to watch it right there's no doubt and we should have taken for granted that we had sports we take for granted a lot more here because the Cardinals win all the time and we expect them to win. And if they aren't in the playoffs, we're disappointed and some people get really angry and the Blues have kind of reached that plateau. We're upset that they're having bad third periods coming off of the Stanley Cup championship. But we shouldn't take sports for granted anymore. But this specific weekend, you've got a couple of Blues playoff games. Hopefully next week you'll even have a game five. Plus you have Dylan Carlson coming up. And how long have we been waiting for the Cardinals to bring him up so that we could get a glimpse last year in September? Hey, are we going to get a chance to see Dylan Carlson this year at the beginning of the year? We're sitting in mid-March. Is Carlson going to make the team on opening day or are we going to see him in April? And then everything is shut down. We're thinking, okay, well, when we start the season on July 24th, are we going to see Dylan Carlson? No. So finally, here we are on August 14th. And on August 15th, we'll have an opportunity to watch, hopefully, hopefully watch Dylan Carlson play baseball. 
Is he the most hyped prospect that you can remember? Because I know Oscar Tavares, we talked about him ad nauseum, mm-hmm. about how he was going to be the next Albert Pujols, the Cardinals were going to build around him. I know Rick Ankiel was somebody that that certainly had a lot of hype. But in your time here covering sports in St. Louis, who has been the most hyped Cardinals prospect that you can remember? It's different because social media's proliferation has changed things dramatically. I agree. And because of that, he is. But in terms of what expectations were for a player, and in talking to Mo, and I I know Mo loves this kid, but he was absolutely giddy about Tavares. Mm -hmm. He thought Tavares was going to be like Pujols, and they thought they were going to move on, and it would be, okay, Albert leaves after 2011, but 2014, you're going to add Tavares. They thought he was going to be their number 3 hitter for a decade, and they, they... they said he's a right-handed hitting Vladimir Guerrero, and they knew by that time Guerrero was or a left-handed hitting Vladimir Guerrero, and they knew by that time Vladimir Guerrero was a Hall of Famer. They were literally comparing him to a Hall of Famer. There was no hype at all for Albert. Nobody, right. nobody knew about him. But the the three guys and Colby Rasmus got a lot of love yeah, as did. a number one pick. I think the guy who probably unfairly had the highest expectations was Todd Zeal. Wow. Yeah. He came up in 1990. He was a minor league player of the year. He was a catcher. They said he's going to be awesome. And then one game in the majors, and they find out that he's not really a very good catcher. I mean, one game. It was kind of like when Jason Smith played left tackle for the Rams, and they said, no, you can't play left tackle, and they moved him to right. So it was very, very soon after he got here. And Torrey, by the way, Joe Torrey, had made the move from catcher to third base. And he got George Kissel up here, and he said, we got to move Zeal to third base. So they did. But the Cardinals foresaw Todd being a regular 30-homer, 100-RBI guy as a catcher and loved what his future was, and it just didn't work out. And it's interesting when you look at the guys that we're talking about, whether it's Zeal or Tavares or Rasmus, all for varying reasons, none of them worked out. Wow. And let's hope this isn't the case. But with Oscar Tavares, they did talk about him in such extreme terms. And you knew that they were literally building the future of this team with him in mind as a cornerstone, as the foundation of what they Mm -hmm. were going to do. And I think sometimes as Cardinals fans, we forget how the reverbs of his tragic death have still kind of echoed within the Cardinals, that if you're building a team around this one person, you're putting a lot of stock into him, that all of a sudden he's gone in a tragic way. You you have to adjust, and the moves that you make in the immediacy of that tragedy, then you have to adjust after those moves have kind of played out. And I, I wonder if the Cardinals are looking at this with Dylan Carlson emerging finally this weekend, and and finally he's getting the call up as, hey, this is the next chapter of all that. It's not let's try to to plug and play and find that next person. It's he is going to be the the next person and today starts the clock on that. And it's six years later. And that's why I find it inexcusable that the Cardinals didn't sign Luis Robert because here's a guy that's tearing it up for the White Sox and it was only money that they didn't spend to get him. And he could have been the replacement for Tavares. But I remember talking to Mike Matheny after the 2013 World Series and he said, uh, remember how good Alan Craig had been. 
And he said, hey, we've got our middle of the lineup for the next six, seven years because they thought that Tavares was going to be their three-hitter and Craig was going to be their four-hitter. Well, that's talking about 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 through last year. That's what they thought was going to be the middle of their lineup. But by the middle, by the end of 2014, by the 2014 World Series, they didn't have either of them. You know what they say about best laid plans, Randy, or best made plans. They didn't work out. So hopefully this will be a, a fun weekend and we'll get an opportunity to see a guy who does turn into a star. I'm just excited to see him in action. And I think this is a great time for him to make his debut because expectations are so low and because mm-hmm. so much has gone on that people are just excited to see the Cardinals playing. And so he can go in there, and if he, if he doesn't set the world on fire in the first couple games, there's not going to be any sort of, of pushback or of, you, know, you guys touted this guy and he's not ascending into what you expect him to be. I'm sure there will be some you know vocal minority that says stuff like that. But uh-huh. I just think people are really realistic about the state of the team right now. And their expectations have come to a realistic place saying, hey, these guys haven't pitched in X amount of days. They haven't seen live hitting. Let's just get them out there and and we'll see what they can do. Yeah. And that's my approach. I am going into this with absolutely no expectations. And I would hope I I know that there's people that are going to be upset if the Cardinals don't win and if the Cardinals uh, aren't in the playoffs this year. But. I think reasonable people look at this situation and say, well, yeah, they, they aren't that good. This this is not a year for the Cardinals to make the playoffs. It's just not logical to think that they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, before we wrap up, Randy, a lot of people saying, don't forget J.D. Drew when it comes to hype. Big time hype. Yeah. And, and Keel, too. I remember when Ankeel was drafted and uh, talking to Walt Jockety right after that draft and uh, I don't even remember who the first rounder was in 97. Might have been Adam Kennedy or something like that, but uh, I, I said, I really like your hitter. He was the best hitter in uh, in the draft. And Walt said, keep an eye on this Richard Ankeel that we drafted in the second round. He was going to go to college, but we think we can sign him and we think he's going to be great. And lo and behold, for that one year, he was unbelievable. We'll have to get that book. We'll have to do Phenomenon as one of our books for the book club, too. I would love to because that's been on my list for a long time. Let's do it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin is here. The voice of the Cardinals is hopefully going to be working this weekend. We'll cross things over to scoopswithdannymack.com next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Heading down the stretch, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin is here. Hopefully, he'll be working this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But great job. Congratulations. Kudos on the press conference yesterday introducing the crest and the colors and the name for STL City SC. How do you like that crest? I thought it was really cool. I, I thought like the too. whole uh, presentation was neat. I was sworn to secrecy not to give away the name and... Uh, you know, it's it's supposed to be all-encompassing for the city and the region, so hopefully folks understand that. It's very inclusive for everybody, so uh, 2023 should be an exciting year for sports fans, not just soccer fans, and if you've never been to one of those games... Get ready. You're going to you're going to enjoy it. So it's going to be an exciting time. Don't you think it's such a great message for the team to to put that unifying factor within the name? Something of course. That, that, you know, that St. Louis, we take such pride in being St. Louisans that, you know, that that's going to be something that echoes throughout this process with the team, especially with everything that's going on in our country. I mean, everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the point, too, we had Taylor on yesterday, Randy and and. To his point, the, the fact that we have developed in St. Louis so many great players 
We're going to be able to develop young players that will want to play for that team. I think that's going to be really cool. A goal for many of those young players to say, hey, I have a chance to play in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be cool for them. Um, So I'm excited. You know, I... I, I, uh, I'm just uh, I'm thrilled that we've gotten to this point, and I go back to when I had the opportunity and the privilege to go speak in front of the board of aldermen, and then to be there yesterday. It was just kind of the culmination of, man, they did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And those folks, they they really do care about the city and take sports and take soccer and take this team out of the equation. And what the Taylor family and what the Kavanaugh family and what Tom Strunk have done for this town in so many different entities to try to help the community take sports out of it and understand what they have done for this community. It's incredible. So they're doing it for the right reasons. And that's why I really felt at that time, all the way back then, it was really important to get behind this and have a full understanding as to why they're doing it and they're doing it for the right reasons. And so if you want to know why they're doing it, just start researching those families and the amount of money and time they have given back to this community. And you'll understand that it's very, very important. And if you do the research and find out how much of an impact they've made, also note that what is public pales in comparison to the other things that they've done. It's incredible. I mean, anytime, and I know you guys have done this too, anytime you go to a fundraiser, their their fingerprints are all over it. Mm -hmm. You know, whether they're there or not, there's a donation or there's something given back by them um, financially or through an experience or whatever. They just, they care about this town. I mean, they easily could have taken their companies or what they... um, have and taken it out of this town easily and said, well, we're, we're going to take worldwide and go somewhere else. We're going to take enterprise and go somewhere else. We're going to not do a soccer team in Fenn. I mean, they, they could have done those things easily and they've decided not to because they invested in St. Louis. So now they've taken this team and said, we're going to invest it in downtown St. Louis and make it inclusive and make it um, something that we can all be proud of and invest in as a community and have fun with. And I, how could we not get behind that? So that's right. why I wanted to do something, uh, my small part, which is a small part, and try to, to get behind it. And here we are. So it's pretty cool. And it's kind of amazing because you know how much the Cardinals and the Blues pour back into the community. It's huge. But you think about when the Rams left, who was obviously an organization and a franchise that didn't do that. I mean, the players to some extent, but as a whole, not really one of their top priorities. And then look at the two teams that came in the wake of that, the Battle Hawks and now St. Louis City SC, who have made it part of their you know internal messaging to say, we are not only, you know, in St. Louis, we are part of St. Louis, and we care about this community, and we want to be involved. Seems like a pretty good trade-off for me. <laughs> I, I just know that from being with the Cardinals for over two decades, the amount of uh, money and time that they give back to the community is like just if people really knew. I, and I know fans want to, as they should, they care about the wins and the losses. And will Dil, Dylan Carlson get called up? I get it. I mean, that's part of being a fan, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what we care about, but. There are the tentacles that go out from an organization of being a pillar of the community. That's part of being a a, a community. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just being a pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. Cardinal. When you think St. Louis, you think Cardinal baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do so much in this community. It's incredible. And I know that with the soccer team, that was part of like, not to use Steve Spagnolo here. They're pillars. I'm not going there. Yeah. That, that's what they're talking, you know, 
part of what they're doing here is to make sure that they're entrenched in the community. Right. I mean, that's that's just what it, this thing's about, and that's what the DeWitt family has done. I mean, look at, my God, look at what they're building down there in, mm-hmm. in St. Louis. So it's about building in St. Louis and building and being a part of the community and, and making sure that uh, they're a, a an integral part of not just the baseball and the sports, but also trying to make this a better place. So I... Hey, I'm all for it. Speaking of the Cardinals, do you have any doubt that you'll be doing a game tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Randy. We've said this on a Thursday before a Friday before. <laughs> I know. And a Thursday like... and a before a Friday before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think we're going to play tomorrow. You know, we've got a doubleheader scheduled for tomorrow. It would be another doubleheader on Monday, my understanding. Another doubleheader, I guess, on Wednesday is the thought process. So we're going to have a lot of baseball coming up. I'm fascinating how uh, fascinated how they're going to try to get all this baseball in, but no, I think we're going to play tomorrow. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm positive too. I appreciate that. Uh, Dan. Well, I, I don't want to say positive. I'm, I'm <laughs> encouraged. Optimistic. I'm, encur- I'm very encouraged and very, yeah, very optimistic. That's the best way to put it. So we know the Cardinals have a fleet of rental cars. They're driving up to 41. Chicago, right? If you had to choose one player, who do you think would be the best road trip companion? Well, I don't want to have a companion. I want to be. I want to go but by if myself. You, if, if everything was okay and you knew that it was fine, who do you think would be fun to be on a road trip with? Right now, I think Dylan Carlson. I'd like to go with Dylan. He's probably pretty excited. I was huh? going to yeah. say that's a great pick because he's probably hyped up. Yeah, I texted with Dylan this morning, and we we just I just said, "Hey, man, congratulations and enjoy it." And um, he's a very respectful young man. He's he's awesome, and uh, he's he's pumped. He's excited. So I'm I would say Dylan Carlson right now. All right, that's where I go with another question. Wayno for would you. be a good one too. Uh, that's I, your Randy. I, picks. That's what I said. Uh, our our late great friend Bill Wilkerson, when he used to do Mizzou football, I was telling Michelle earlier. Tucker's that, second and ten. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, when he would do Mizzou games, he would always rent the most expensive rental car that he could get. So he'd get Lamborghinis and he'd get Maseratis. Would he really? And, oh yeah, Rolls Royces on the road. He didn't care, and Highland was paying for it, so, you know, <laughs> whatever. whatever. So <laughs> if somebody didn't care how much you were spending on oh, the road man. and you were renting a car, what would you rent? Lambo. That'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be really expensive, and I'd have to probably get the tickets expensed, too. Yeah. if I'm getting uh-huh. a Lambo, I'm, gonna I'm, get a ticket. I'm going, you know, I'm... Just build that into the cost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to the floor. You know, I got to... I gotta, Stretch that baby out and see what the, I got. Is that the only reason you get a car like that? Is yeah. to see how fast you can go? I'm going Rolls Royce too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thinking maybe a Rolls. I've never been that'd, in one of those. I've never be been in a Lambo. I'm you letting never, it rip. You never rode with uh, Albert? No, no. <laughs> I'm usually, you know, my. I'm trying to think of my first car. Uh, see, my my grandpa, God rest his soul, gave me his car, my first car, and he had. Um, uh, his leg he had a, a he was diabetic, so his leg was amputated at one point. So his brake was a handbrake. So it looked like you're playing, <laughs> you know, a game show. And so they used to make fun of me because he had a handbrake on that thing. But you still had the foot brake too. God rest his soul. But yeah, that was my first car. And one of my buddies that was playing baseball with, he said, "What?" He said, "Can we play like?" We were able to play slot machines and riding this. I said, what's wrong with you? My grandpa gave me this, you jerks. But that that was my first introduction to these. And I, awesome. had, I had a Horizon that I drove into the ground, too. I think I, never I remember got that. That changes. was before your Mazda, right? Yeah, and I drove that one to the ground, too. Yeah. Because yeah. we both I had... wasn't very responsible, Randy. No. 
because uh, I had the I had a red vehicle that was the same as yours. Yes, uh, and Dan had a white one. So yeah. yeah, those were the days. Yes. What do you got coming up? Well, talk about the Blues coming up. Also, talk about the Cardinals. I think I've got the breakdown of who's on this roster. Have you done the breakdown yet? I have not. I think I got it. I think it's going to be as fluid. Mm-hmm. It'll be very fluid with all the games coming oh, yeah. up. Um, it was interesting though. You were on the the Mo um, the Zoom Zoom chat last night. Yep. Were you on that last no, night? No. Okay. So, um, I I guess you cannot get the first wave of guys as he mentioned last night. They would not be available for the Chicago trip, is what he was saying. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that you're going to have to have some of the guys. I think from a competitive standpoint, some of the guys from Springfield compete. Because they're the ones yeah. that have been playing. And the other ones that, you know, your normal everyday players haven't. So right. who plays? You have physical conditioning that has actually taken place in Springfield. So it's going to be really interesting lineups, yeah. I think, for Mike Schilt. Yeah. Really interesting. And he'll, this will be right in his wheelhouse. Kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. He'll, he'll be great at putting together a lineup. He loves that kind of thing. So do you, do you mix some of the guys that you're trying to get, you know, some, some, at bats with guys that have had at bats, and then do you or do you just say no? We're going with uh, the normal guys that would be in an everyday major league lineup. I, I don't know how you do this. I think because of all the double headers, you mix have no choice match. but to make, mix and match. Yeah, yeah. that's. I kind of think that's the way he yeah. goes. And I think Dylan Carlson plays all the time. I'm with you because he has been having those everyday at bats. Right. So. Anyway, we'll see. Have fun. Have a great weekend. We'll be have tuned a great in. weekend, guys. Thanks. That's Danny. Great job by our producer engineer, Scott Manziara. Have a great weekend, sir. Thanks, Randy. You're going to you Kansas too. City, right? I am. Yeah, I'm really excited. Have a safe trip. Thank you. Michelle, belated happy birthday. Welcome back, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Randy. So are you going to have a Michelle Palooza this weekend? Just a big blowout? You know, I don't really know if uh, there's a lot we can do. But yeah, we'll, I'll be spending time with family and friends. All right, good. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.